Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the show. I hope you're having a great week, or uh, if you're done with your week and you're listening to this on the weekend, I hope you had a great week. Um, next week's going to be a pretty stressful week. It was, it'll be midterms for me, so I'm not excited about that, but hoping to just get through it. I finally got some stuff dealt with and looked at as far as dental stuff goes. I'm really bad about overstressing stuff and blowing things out of proportion. My girlfriend thought this was kind of funny, so I guess I'll talk about it really quick. But uh, I've uh, I've definitely slacked on like my dental care kind of over the last few years. I mean, I brushed my teeth and all that jazz, but I haven't been in a good habit of making efforts to schedule regular teeth cleanings and checkups and stuff like that. So I finally made an appointment to go take care of it because I noticed I was feeling sensitivity in like the front of my lower jaw where my, like my front teeth are. And I started out thinking like, okay, it's nothing. It's just a minor little something rather. Maybe my gums are irritated and you know, whatever. I'll figure it out. I'll just use some mouthwash and it'll, it'll be fine in no time. And then a few days later, I started thinking about it more, Googling stuff. Don't start Googling stuff because, man, you'll really run your mind off the rails. And pretty soon you're thinking, like, you're going to have an overhaul down in your mouth. You're going to be dropping 15 grand, having every freaking tooth pulled and implants put in. Anyhow, so after, like, no time at all, I come to the conclusion that, um, I mean, granted, this came up on Saturday. And so I was thinking about it. And by Wednesday, I'm to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to get like a a gum graft or I'm going to need like a root canal. Maybe they're going to need to pull my front couple of teeth down there. And I'm just like dreading everything. And then I show up to the dentist on Friday, get in the chair and they're like, what's going on? And I tell them, I think you guys are going to have to do like a gum graft or root canal or something like that it's uh it's pretty minor feeling like pain right now but i think we're i'm just noticing now i think it's going to be pretty bad and so they look at it and they're like you've like mild gingivitis um maybe brush a little bit more but you're kind of overthinking this you are a long ways away from needing gum grafts and uh yeah so anyhow that's how my week went i overstressed for no reason and uh yeah, I blew it way out of proportion. So if you're out there thinking uh, you're avoiding your dentist because you're worried about the overhaul that's going to need to be done, you never know. You might just show up and they might be like, hey, you got great teeth. All it needs is a little bit of the stuff knocked away and a little bit of, I don't know, a little extra scrubbing and it's going to be good. So anyways, I just wanted to include that because it was big thought on my mind all week. And after now, like, let them get in there with the scraping stuff and all that. It's pretty good. I'm really relieved. I really thought I was about to drop a lot of money on uh, getting my teeth figured out. But anyhow, um, so yeah, aside from that, everything's good. Everything's going all right. It's been uh, pretty good. But I'll go ahead and get in and talk about this show. So this episode is with my friend Jake, who is currently a sheriff deputy for Clackamas County. Um, he's uh, he, he yeah he currently he works as sheriff deputy and uh, he seems to enjoy his job. He does uh, he 
seems to be pretty active and have a lot of things to do, a lot of uh, really interesting stories. But in this episode, um, we're going to kind of dive into his career that he had when he was in the Army and talk about his uh, experience deploying overseas. Uh, in later episodes, I'll have him on to talk about some of his experience as a sheriff deputy uh, and also maybe some of his coworkers too. But I wanted to talk uh, with him about what it was like going into the army as the person that he was then and you know what he gained from it how it changed him and ask him who the army might be a good idea for or if not the army any kind of military branch you know marines you know air force you know any of them navy uh any of them um and maybe see like what kind of person it could really gain from and benefit for themselves from choosing to go in the military. But uh, I'll go ahead and wrap up this intro and let you get on with the episode. But I hope you enjoy my conversation Conversation I had with my friend Jake. Uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. He shared a lot of uh, cool stories that I wasn't sure if he would. I just kind of was expecting some general idea of how his career went. But he shared some really cool uh, stories that give you a good idea of what a career in the army could be like so anyhow i hope you guys enjoy the episode that uh, i had with jake How's your day going so far, Jake? Uh, it's going good. Pretty good? Pretty yeah. chill? Yeah, I haven't really been doing anything. Yeah. Um, so, me and you have been... How long have we been friends now? I met you back in... 2013. That... End of 13, beginning of 14. Wow. That's kind of crazy. And that was through doing loss prevention stuff. Yeah. Did you? How long was it that you started before I met you? Uh, I don't... I don't know. I don't remember when I met you. I started there, I think, in. I mean, I'd seen you. Novemberish? I, I think I'd seen you when you were like. There was like one time when you were going in the store or something and you were talking to Dave and then you went in and he was like, oh, that dude's trying to get into loss prevention. And I, but I didn't realize. But the, I'd say the first time I really met you was when we were doing phase two together. Yeah. But, um, but anyways, that's, I guess, like further down the road. Um, so what made you decide, like, I'm going to go talk to a recruiter? Did somebody tell you, like, suggested? No, I hate school. Oh, okay. And I decided um, I'd always want to be a police officer, and I didn't want to get a degree because college is stupid. Mm-hmm. No offense. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, I can join, join the military. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be a Marine because, well, we're Marines. And uh, I'm allowed to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Air Force, um, I figured it was going to be boring um, because my eyesight was too bad to fly a jet. Um, that or nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. I mean, it's like joining the Army of the Marines. It's either infantry or you're, or you're nothing. Yeah. Um, um, and then uh, Navy. I, I don't like water. I don't oh. like being on boats and stuff. Yeah. Not, it's not great. So I was like, well, that's, let's check that. That one's probably a no-go. Yeah. So I was like, ah, I guess I'll join the Army. So did I mean, 
when you heard about the Space Force, were you kind of like, shit, I wish the Space Force was an option back in the day? Well, technically, I'm still in. Okay. So, I mean, if I really wanted to. You could transfer to the Space Force. I could transfer to the Space Force. <laughs> All right. So, were you pretty dead set, or were you kind of like waffling on the idea? of No, I was not... set. Oh, really? I'd actually looked when I was 19, but it was shortly after my knee surgery, and I needed to wait a year. They wouldn't pick me up before a year. Okay. So, right around the year mark, I went back in, and then it was just shy, so I got a waiver from the doctor saying you were good, um, which was kind of surprising, because I didn't finish my physical therapy, because I moved to Bandon. Okay. Um, and then, I don't know, lost my train of thought. Where so, you, so, you went into the recruiter, and then right. how did things go from there? Did you Staff know- Sergeant Kyle, we'll just use his first name. Okay. He spells it funny, though. That's uh, anyways. So Kyle, um, cool guy. One of I was one of his first recruits. He fucked up my paperwork like six times. Mm-hmm. Um, super chill. Didn't hold anything back. He was like, Yeah, yeah, sure. You you can you can go do something like this. Super smart. You get like a fifty thousand dollars sign in bonus. You know, like that guy over there. I was like, Infantry, infantry was all I just kept saying. He's that's like, all you wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. It's the only thing that matters. So you could have, I mean, you could have tested into like do whatever you wanted to do, and you. Still... Everybody tests, and okay. I tested high enough to do any job in the military. Really, I could have gone flying helicopters right out of basic. Wow, and you were really just like infantry is yeah. the only thing I want to do. Yep. And do you looking back? I mean, nope, wouldn't change anything. Really? Yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> infantry is you... the best thing in the world. If you, I mean, would you still go through the army, or would you change and like went into another branch? See, that's something I've thought about actually recently because I know a lot of Marines, and Marines are awesome. Yeah, Marines are Marines. Yeah, I, every every MOS they have, every job from infantry to cook, they are a Marine through and through. That's forever. Pretty, yeah, and they all have each other's backs. Yeah, it's awesome. I did. I do respect that about you because there are like some. I've talked to some people that are veterans that. They'll like legitimately like kind of have like a like it's like they have ill thoughts towards them. Like, I have ill thoughts towards pogues. Okay, persons yeah. other than grunts. Yeah, which is anybody not infantry. Yeah, fuck those guys. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just like, like I've always noticed that you like have respect for the branches. I have yeah, um, the most healthy respect for all marines and a brotherly respect for infantry marines because they're still infantry. Yeah, even if they're wearing different, slightly different colors. Okay. But, um, no, I like the, the route that I took with the Army Infantry. So, well, oh, and then, so, sorry, to finish my thought. So, Marines are Marines, yeah. through and through. In the Army, you get a lot of people who are there for the college, who are there for uh, a little bit of experience, or they're, they're not in it um, to the core, <laughs> Marine Corps. Uh, they're not in it uh, with blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, okay. So when I was in, that was all I all I had, all I wanted to do. Yeah. So I went through basic. I was, I don't know, like to say I'm smart enough to understand, you know, because you go through your whatever, whatever you want to call it, brainwashing, for lack of a better term. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to learn how to put it all away and slide down a rifle and smoke somebody, another human being. And you kind of learn how to do that, and I allowed it to happen. And, um, you know, I'm... Really glad I did. It. I did. I wouldn't change that for anything. But uh, so so this this will be it's 2010 then, right? When you do yeah. sign and go in. Yep. And what uh, like how from the time that you went into that meeting, when was it that you got sent 
sent to go to basic training. No, I don't remember. It was a couple months. Okay. So it wasn't immediate. It wasn't like, all right, you're going next week. Like it was, That would have been awesome, but no. Oh, okay. So you were down to go as soon as possible. Yeah. Wow. And then... Um, I wasn't what, doing anything. What, uh, I guess, because what, what base did you go to and everything and train at? And is, so, there, is there one that's worse than others or anything? Or are they all kind of like, it's like Fort Benning, like worse than... Sure, everybody has their own opinions on different bases and I've only been to a few so I only have a few opinions and in conjunction with all the other opinions I know because there's a huge diversity in the army yeah and people have been in I mean you could go to an infantry platoon or just you just go to a platoon and most of the people there you could probably fill most of the bases that they've been at so like open up a map what bases have you been to put pins in them you could I mean you would be able to fill up a map pretty good so everybody's been everywhere okay kind of thing so you get a lot of pains about a lot of different bases so all the infantry train at uh sand hill fort benning Mm -hmm. and um that place sucks really it's in georgia oh so i was in georgia from april till september okay it was terrible it was pretty muggy and stuff oh yeah just a little bit yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be like 90 degrees and 100% humidity at 5 o'clock in the morning when we go out for PT. Jeez. Yeah. Good God. So, um, so and that's, how long is it? How many weeks is it? Oh, nine weeks? So, infantry training is a little different than standard basic. Basic training is nine weeks, and you do your nine weeks of basic training. You get a 48-hour weekend pass, and then you spend five more weeks of pretty much just basic training. Same drill sergeant, same platoon, same everything. And it's five weeks of infantry training, but it's just five more weeks of basic training. Whereas uh, other branches, or other branches, other MOSs that don't do OSET, one station unit training, which is what that is, other MOSs that don't do that, they do their nine weeks of basic training, and then they go to their technical school for however long it is. Some of the more technical technical schools are months long, half a year even, you know, six months to a year long. Yeah. And that's like regular army, super chill, um, ranks respected, all that stuff. So the infantry spends only five weeks in infantry school, um, but it's just five more weeks of basic training, just five more weeks of just getting shit on. Yeah. And like what's a day in basic training like? I mean, like what's it from the time that you wake up to... How long is it? I've heard that the days can be kind of pretty long. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. Every day was very different. Like, are you expected to be awake? Or do they, like, wake you up? Or uh, Once you get into a pattern of things, the fire guard will wake you up. So there's always two soldiers sitting up and pretty much watch. But it's more of a... In basic training, it's... Back in the day you had wood buildings with, like, potbelly stoves. So Firewatch was literally making sure the place didn't burn to the ground. Oh, okay. And now it's more of a, uh, a, I'm drawing a blank on the word. It's more used to um, instill self-discipline. Oh, okay. Um, you have to get up, you have to stay awake for a couple hours. And it was, God, it was so hard then. And then I go overseas, and I'm on guard duty for six hours a day, like four times a day. Damn. Yeah. Jeez. That's a whole day. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> no, nah, it's probably. We, I think we did like. I mean, we did lots of things, but uh, 
I mean, it became, you're like, God, I wish I was in Facebook during two hours again. Yeah. That would be too easy. Really? Yeah. Jeez. In any case, so, FireGuard would wake you up at and, a certain time. And from then, is it, like, immediate, like, all right, let's go exercise and work out, go yeah, running? I mean, or... it depends on when, as a platoon, you wanted to get up. If you wanted to get up 10 minutes before, then, yeah, you roll out of bed, probably already wearing your PTs, and walk out the door. Oh, okay. Some people like to request to get up earlier, and so they'd go and wake specific people up. Why, um, would, so that, why would those people want to get up earlier? Um, I mean, do, is they're that more do, princess than the rest of us? Oh, okay. I don't know, they got to take no offense. They got to take. Uh, <laughs> they got to take like a uh, sh- shower or something. Yeah, or maybe they're the kind of person that right when they wake up, they got to take a deuce. Oh, okay. Hmm. Huh. Like cat in the. So after after basic training is over and everything, like what's what's next after that? And is it like a like I mean, how does it end up? How do they wrap it up? Is there like a test and everything or anything, or do they just kind of like, all right, you did it? You you have a lot of goals you have to meet throughout. Oh really? Certain like you got to do like a two, a four, a six, a twelve, a fifteen mile ruck march kind of thing, and they do those over the course of the fourteen weeks. And a ruck march is like you have like a weighted bag or something and you just got something or yeah so you got a rucksack is i guess the technical term and it's just a big backpack and yet and you have to make sure that it well in basic you have a packing list so you got to fit everything in there and they show you how to pack it or that's the doozy no Oh, okay so your first one your two miler is probably the hardest ruck you ever do in your entire military career because your ruck is packed like shit. I mean, it's all in pieces, too. So you got to put it together. Nobody tells you how. You just got to get together and try to figure it out. Sometimes you get kids who are, you know, military brats, or you get kids who, um, uh, I don't know, watch a lot of movies. Oh, okay. Whatever. Watch a lot of YouTube before they showed up. So some people that, yeah, they study it before they go into it. Sure. I had no idea what I was getting into. Oh, okay. I, I, I mean, I had family members who were military, but like Vietnam era. Oh, okay. So, but in any case... And then after that ruck march, then the drill sergeants are like, hey, here's some tips and tricks. Um, So, I mean, you just get messed up for that two miles. It hurts. And what is it that they, I mean, is it kind of dropped on you all of a sudden? Like, hey, we're going on this march. You got 10 minutes to get everything packed? Or, oh, okay. Nah. It's more like, hey, uh, here's a list. Put it up in the day room or whatever. You got to put all this stuff in a bag. And we're going to go for a walk tomorrow. Kind of thing. And how, how heavy is the bag? I don't remember. It always felt super heavy, but then you get into the real army, and then you're like, oh, wow, that bag was <laughs> not heavy at all. Jeez. And then do those become a regular thing? You guys go on, like, march every week or so, or does it only happen a couple times? I uh, don't uh, remember. Sorry. Tinnitus. Yay, mm-hmm. army. Uh, what was the question? I mean, so is that something that you guys have to do often, or is Oh, is no, that... so, regular army, yeah. Uh, I think we did rec marches on Thursdays. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, no, it was, I don't know how often we did them, but it was just, uh, it wasn't a weekly thing. And how, how many people go into, like, a basic training, like, course, Versus how many come out of it? Because, I mean, aren't there, like, some people that just, like, fail to adapt and all uh, that? Yeah. I mean, we have one of those pretty quick, but we don't, uh, we didn't have very many washouts. And is that something that is usually up to the person that, like, enlisted? Or do they tell you, like, hey, you're not cutting it, you're out? A little of both. 
Oh, really? Yeah, so some people show up and realize they've made a huge mistake because <laughs> they suck. And then you have people who try really hard and just aren't cutting it. They can't pass a run. They, uh, you know, they can't pass a PT test or they mess up on something or they don't finish the ruck march. Oh, okay. You know? And some of those those people are given the option, I believe, I believe they probably just get recycled. They go to a new unit that's restarting and you have mm-hmm. to restart. Um, but you do that so many times and then eventually you, they're just like, yeah, you you're not cutting it. You're not army material. So if if that if that happens, do they get like a dishonorable discharge, or is it like I don't really know. Oh, okay, it probably never... isn't dishonorable. Oh, okay, they just discharge you and yeah, I don't really know. I and don't it... even know if you count as army at that point. Oh, okay, but it... I I don't know. I think maybe you do. I mean, lots of lots of these people are getting. All right, I've got PTSD from basic training. Oh, good God. Oh, I can't hear somebody yelled at me. You know. So does it does it get to be? I mean, is it a is it basically like meet this and you're in or meet it or you don't? Or did they get to be like, you know, he's not hitting it, but kid's got a lot of heart, you know? Like, I mean, there they... is some of that. Okay. We had a dude who was recycled like twice. So that we were his third unit. Okay. He manages to freaking ND, negligent discharge. Okay. And uh, the drill sergeants got together real quick right after it happened. And they were like, that was a great test fire. Hmm. Test fire, test fire, test fire. Don't forget to say that before you do that next time. <laughs> Okay, so that that's basically like shooting a gun without like like it was an accidental like you like also known oh. as accidental discharge. He was on a turret of a Humvee. We we're doing like convoy, whatever. It was during our field training. Oh, okay. And uh, just fucking it was a blank. So usually they would be like, "All right, you're done." That's ND. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, that's bad in real army. That's bad in basic. Um, but he had been through so many times, and he just I mean, it was just all kinds of little things, and they were they were just like. Yeah, just make sure you say test fire next time. Okay. Damn. One of those kinds of things. Yeah. So that happens every once in a while. So they, they will recognize kind of like, yes. all right, this dude's trying. It was a little of that and probably a little of, God, let's just get him into the army. Like, we're done. <laughs> Either he'll make it or he won't out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and do you get, I mean, does it get to where you're pretty close with the people you're in yeah. there with? Or? And then you get to the real army and you're like, God, fuck those guys. Okay. Yeah, no, I I had a a couple friends, but I I don't keep in contact with anyone from basic. Feel felt a lot like uh, high school too. I was also part of the like the misfit group. There's like four of us. Okay. That nobody really cared about. Hmm. Oh, maybe it's because I had my glasses or some. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Don't really care. Maybe it's also because I tell people what I think. Yeah, I've hey, heard. I, I think you're stupid. I've heard from like you know other people that you know. That went through and everything. You don't want to stand out as being a smart ass, and you don't want to be stand out as a dumbass. Yeah, one like, of my you just kind of want to. One of my best moments was I was turning my rifle in at the end of basic training, and one of the drill sergeants goes, "Who the hell are you?" Uh, uh, Jake. You know, I don't know. Are we do. Am I? Is my last name on this? You. I mean, if you want it to be, not you really. Can. Okay. Well, then I won't mention it. Okay. You yeah. Can just so Jake. So Jake, uh, and uh, or you know, soldier one four six or whatever. And he was like, huh, oh shit, have you been here the whole time? Uh, yes, Joe Sarn. Oh. Well, apparently you did a really good job at basic training. And I was like, thank you, Joe Sarn. <laughs> so you want to kind of make it through and not go notice. You don't want yeah, to be Yeah, I mean, some people like the, the recognition and everything, and they get the, all these kudos for basic training, and then you get into the real army, and it's like, none of that matters. 
Oh, okay. So they had all this glory, like your high school glory. Yeah, okay, of, yeah. And they get to the real world, and it just matters. Matter. None of it. Okay. So you can't even say, like, well, I did this, and basically I was recognized for yeah, this. And... I was a platoon leader in my basic training class, for, or I was soldier of the, the session, and uh, you'll get laughed out of whatever office you're standing in. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, when they, they were like, hey, uh, yeah, I was never even asked that. You know, I just, I didn't, whatever. Okay. Um, so after that, like, what, what happened next? Like, where were you headed? So you I go... graduated, and uh, my dad showed up for graduation. And uh, I said hey to him on the field, and then got on a bus for airborne school. That was it? That was It was that quick. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Which is kind of sucks, because he flew all the way there, and I saw him for a couple minutes. But um, the other option was sometimes you have to wait in airborne holding, and you like mow grass all day kind of thing. Whoa. And that can be anywhere from like a week to like months long. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Like, is it just that they're waiting for another class to finish up training? Yeah, or? yeah. It's just the timing isn't right or something. But so then I was in airborne processing. Oh, okay. So. And what, um, I guess, so just kind of keep in mind, like, what if somebody doesn't know at all what any of this stuff is? Like, what is airborne? Like, what, I mean, I've heard about it enough from you and I just <laughs> know what it is. But, like, what is airborne? Uh, airborne is jumping out of planes. With, okay. With a parachute. And was that suggested to you, or do I mean? That's what I wanted. That okay, and that's something that you have to. I actually wanted uh, like a ranger contract. Okay, I want to go do cool guy ranger stuff. Yeah, and then got through basic, and then standing formation for airborne. Um, they were like, "Hey, if you want a ranger contract, we're giving them out. Come stand over here." And I had a moment of. Nah, <laughs> that sounds dumb. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Is it just, I mean, is that a really long extensive training process or? I think it's like 61 days. Oh, okay. Um, Jeez. But it's just rough and I was tired of training. I wanted to get into the real army and do stuff. I was like, ah, you know, if I really want to, um, I'll do it later. That's, yeah, that's true. And I, I was just tired of training. Okay. And um, so what's, what is airborne training like? Uh, super easy. It's designed for everybody to pass. Um, females included. I'm trying to think of a delicate way of putting that, but obviously there's not. So, uh, the standard, I'm not going to say they were lowered, but they are low. Oh, okay. In comparison to infantry school. So I just got out of infantry basic training. Um, hot shot, freaking go-getter. Oh, um, so big this... swing and dick, whatever. And then I go to Airborne, <laughs> and it is stupid easy. We're running like 10-minute miles in the morning. It's just shuffling along. Everybody's passing. You got people falling out. I'm like, what? I, uh, you ran in the – so formations were always the same, so, um, like where you stood. Yeah. And so when we were running, I had this captain behind me, and he was – so he had uh, – he was an officer, obviously, but he had already done uh, infantry, ranger – and selection. Okay. So he was a, uh, I don't know if he was a Green Beret yet, but he had passed selection. Okay. And so now he was doing airborne. And he was behind me. And when an officer would fall out, he would destroy them. Oh, really? Oh, it was amazing. He, he would just scream at them. What are you doing back there? <laughs> if you don't get back in formation, I'm going to figure out who's in charge of you. And you are, you're, you're going to work in an S shop for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So is that dude pretty like intense to be yes, around? Because that dude was, I mean, he's probably 
He's kind of certified badass, was, yes. right? Yeah. Well, or if he if he wasn't, he was getting there. Okay. No, he was. It was awesome. Wow. Um, I talked with him just a little bit. You know, I was I was basic, just fresh out of basic private. So I was super. I didn't talk to anybody. And is like becoming a Green Beret and stuff. Is that something that you can just like stick in training with until you get there, or is it like you need to go on a deployment or two and then you come back and we after you we see how you did doing that, you can be up to apply little column a little column b oh okay. so you can get uh a, an x x-ray packet so their mos designation is x you can get an x-ray packet right off the line so you go to basic training you go to airborne you go to selection kind of thing. okay uh that works for some people uh, a lot of people the route i was going to take was get a deployment under my belt spend some time in the army drop a packet for SF. Okay. All right. Um, that obviously didn't happen, but yeah, that was going to be the plan. And I mean, do you think that like, had you not ended up, um, you know, getting married and everything and being in something do like, would you ever consider it again? Like, I mean, would you have ever still consider came around to be like, yeah, I want to go in special forces. I think, uh, I guess I'll just say if I hadn't met my wife, I would probably still be in the army, and I would have yes dropped packets to try and go to selection and try oh, to get okay. picked up. Is that a pretty? I'm guessing that's not a light application. Like, is it pretty extensive? And is there a lot of interviews and everything? Or so interviews come later. In the army, you don't really apply for stuff. Oh, okay. You put in a packet that says, "Hey, I want to do this." They say, "Hey, yeah, come to this selection at this time," and then you do selection. It's uh, not really like a board or uh, like interview process. It's, well, okay, you're here with 100 other people. Um, you go ring the bell when you feel like uh, you want to be a quitter. Oh, okay. So. Do you, did people, do they ever approach, do like, do, like, do, um, do, do you it, ever, do they ever approach people like, hey, you should really consider this or is it all on you? Like, do you want to direct your. I'm, maybe they did. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, I, did, I know in the unit they, uh, we, they pushed hard for like ranger school and stuff oh really like hey you should put in a pack for ranger school and go and i'd be like hey i don't think so yeah i lost uh, i lost uh, morale very quickly at the unit i was at. oh really uh, yeah why is that uh leadership oh okay yeah i've heard that it can be a lot of politics and all that is that i don't know maybe higher up i wasn't part of that but i mean you get to a certain point in your career uh, usually as a non-commissioned officer where you have to decide I don't know if you have to decide, but I feel like those non-coms decide whether they want to be a political leader mm-hmm. and just fuck your troops over, or if you want to be a great leader, um, and you probably get to first sergeant, and you're probably not going to go any further after that, but oh, okay. you take care of your guys. Oh, uh, okay. And did you have any like admiration to try and become like a drill sergeant or anything like that, or is it... Is that kind of like, mm, no thanks. Is that or, a separate question, or are you mixing drill sergeant with a rank? Uh, I mean, is that like, that, that's just a separate so that's, question. So that's kind like, of, okay, so next question then. Uh, so, uh, no, but in active duty, if you want to make E7, I believe it is, 6 or 7, you got to go to either recruiting or drill sergeant. Okay. It's kind of just like an unwritten rule. Oh, uh, Okay. And what are, how does all the ranking go? Like, what is the ranking system? Uh, enlisted, it's uh, E for enlisted, 1 through 10. Okay. So, 
one, I guess I will paint you a word picture. One uh, is what we call mosquito wings. And it's just one chevron. It's like a little arrow pointing up. Um, or no, sorry. One is nothing. It's just fuzzy. So on the new uniforms, you've got Velcro. And it's just, we call them E-fuzzies. Okay. So just, there's nothing, there's no rank there. Yeah. E2 is the little mosquito wings. It's a chevron. E3 is a chevron with a rocker, which is like a, I don't know, a smiley face without the eyeballs connected to the pointy part. Okay, yeah. Sure. And then four is one of two ranks in the army. It splits off, actually. So uh, three, or three, yeah, so three to four. So you have specialist, which is, I don't know, it's too hard to explain. It's just, it's kind of like an upside down E3 filled in with a bird in it. Okay. It's quite intricate, actually. Uh, uh, but you also have corporal, which is two chevrons on top of each other. Oh, so, so it's really easy to like look at someone and know what they are. Yeah, well, not really. As a specialist, I got saluted a lot by new privates because they thought I was um, a lieutenant colonel because it's just oh. a big black blotch on there. Oh, okay. And so at a distance, like you could see people getting ready and then they'd throw up a salute and I'm like, ah, settle down. Stop. <laughs> you're all wrong here. Just take an extra second to make sure you're saluting the right person there, kid. <laughs> That would kind of feel good though when somebody does. Like, no, I think it's <laughs> hilarious. Sorry, we got real close. To no, it. it's fine. Uh, you can actually move it a little bit closer if you want. This thing? Yeah. You oh. Just put it. Like, is the whole first part not on? No, it's fine. It's just. Uh, oh, we got to redo the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's all good. But um, um, all right. So so you go into airborne, and I was actually just talking to Elisa the other day. We we're talking about going skydiving and everything, yeah. and she was like. Um, I think she said, like, do you think Jake would ever want to go skydiving? I was like, he's already gone. Like, he's already experienced that. Yes and no. So skydiving is still on my list of things to do. Okay. Um, I did bungee jumping when I was active, like as a unit cohesion thing. Yeah. And it was absolutely terrible. Okay. I hated jumping off a bridge. Wait, for you did it for fun? Like, this is, this is after yes. army? Okay, this wasn't some no, weird, so, like, army thing. <laughs> like No, it wasn't like a... Army training or something. Okay, it wasn't Twitter cell training or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually more awesome than you think. No, I'm not. Uh, so, no, it was with the Army, with my unit, but not Army-related. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I've done that, and then I did Airborne. So, Airborne is different than skydiving because you're flying at 1,250 feet, which is not very far from the ground in the grand scheme of things. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess that Where is. Where you jump from like 10,000 from yeah. a plane, right, for uh -huh. skydiving. Uh, your parachute is attached to static line. It's called static line. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's wrapped up on your parachute, and you stand up, you hook up to the line, right? And then you're holding your line, and then as you jump, you hand it to the jump master, and he takes it so it doesn't wrap around your neck and kill you. And you turn and you jump out. So when you jump out, if you've seen videos, you see all these, like, you can see lots of lines hanging there, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, good. Yeah, we're good. Don't okay. worry about it. Sully. Lots of lines uh, hanging from the plane. And then as you jump, you can see, if you watch the videos, you can see um, like the parachute get pulled out of the pack is what's happening. And so the static line is attached to the top of the chute. And as it's, because it's connected to the plane, it pulls out of your pack. So you fall and you have four to six seconds of free fall. Um, but yeah, so you have four to six seconds of free fall and then your chute opens because the chute's coming out behind you. And it's, uh, it looks like a cigar, like a rolled up cigar or whatever. Yeah. And then as you're falling at incredible rates of speed, it opens up. Okay. There's a lot of hand motions going on that people can't see. Yeah. But, uh, 
So I, I'm trying to, again, with the word picture, uh, it opens up. And then from there, you have very little control over it. It's not like skydiving where you can, you know, slow oh, your yeah. rate or turn and do circles. It's pretty much you have four risers, uh, two, in the, two in the back and two in the front. And risers come up from uh, the harness you're wearing and go up to the parachute. So four strong lines go into the parachute. Okay. You look around, you judge kind of where the wind's going, and then you slip. It's calling slip away. Or And uh, so if the wind's blowing, let's say, from left to right... I want to grab the two left risers and pull as hard as I can, oh. and it caves in the top yeah. of your parachute and slows your rightward momentum. Hmm. Um, if I was in the Navy, I guess that would be starward, but I'm yeah. not, so uh, <laughs> slows your <laughs> rightward to uh, progression. And then, but at 1,250 feet to zero, it's you have a lot of different lanes of uh, air airflow. So you'll be slipping left, and then all of a sudden you'll get a gust from the left to the right, and oh. now you're shooting over to the left. You're, oh. You got to grab so the you other slip ones. right, yeah. And so uh, you do that all the way to the ground, and then uh, as you near the ground, wow, I can't talking through this. I kind of remember it all. I think uh, I re- if I remember correctly, you grab all four, you pull as hard as you can, pulling yourself up. And now it's going to cave it in and try to oh, okay. slow your descent a little bit. Because airborne is a lot different than skydiving because it's you're putting troops on the ground as fast as possible. Because when you're in the oh, air, you're vulnerable. Yeah, that makes sense. So you drop that 1,250 feet is quick. It's yeah. it's pretty quick. Jeez. Was it stressful? Like, was that pretty stressful? Yeah, I'm scared, I'm scared to death of heights. Okay, okay. Jeez. But with the training you do in ground week and tower week, so there's three weeks of airborne school, ground, tower, and jump you're able to push all that away and you just jump out of the plane. Okay. Like when I want to jump off a rock into the water or something, because yeah. I don't even like that. I just uh, revert to airborne training, kind of close my eyes for a second, wake up, turn, jump. Okay. Jump right out, feet and knees together. And was this training in, in Georgia or? It was. Okay. Yeah, so we just got on a bus after basically, like I said, and drove down the street. Yeah, so oh, actually I've been to Alabama, but I've only been to it by jumping out of an airplane because far, part of Benning, Friar Drop Zone, is in Alabama. Oh, okay. I think it's Alabama. And was it into like a big field or? Yeah. Okay, so it's not like there's a target. We got to jump, clear those trees, get into that or Some anything. Some people landed in the trees. Oh, uh, really? Wow, cool. Isn't that really dangerous? What? To like go into the trees? It's like... not great. Oh, okay. But, uh, I mean, you get marginal training on it. But the some of the cool things that would happen is some of the ladies were very light, hmm. right? So they'd fall and then it hit a hot air pocket they were too heavy to go up any higher, and they were too light to go down. And they would just sit there, suspended oh, really? in midair, until that hot air pocket went away. Yeah. Jeez. It's kind of cool. Really? That's for me cool. on the ground watching them. Maybe not yeah. for them up in the air and just sitting there. And is it, I mean, are they, is it where all of you guys, were all you guys like clustered together jumping? Or was it like, all right, jumps, well, and I mean, do they only do like batches of a few? Well, I mean, if you've seen any movies or anything, when you jump out, I mean, not everybody, you don't just taper. The, the whole yeah, the whole side of the plane doesn't open up and everybody jumps out at once. It's you jump out one at a time. So as the plane's flying yeah. at a plane speed, I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. lots of miles per hour. They just uh so one, two, and then as they're falling, you know, you're just kind of and then if you're over the top of somebody, you really wanna you need to get out of the way, kind of thing. That's not that's not good when that kind of thing happens. Because yeah. then they'll steal your air mm-hmm. and you'll fall because there's no air going to your parachute. And then once you get past them, you'll steal their air, and they'll fall. Oh, okay. And uh, Jeez. so you, as soon as you get air again, you got to pull and try and slip away. 
Jeez. Heard about that, of, too. It's kind of cool. So going down to the ground is kind of a workout. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. And did, I mean, did they give you... It's, it's just, not easy. You have all that air pressure inside your uh, parachute, yeah. and you got to pull your risers to slip away, and you're just, you reach up as high as you can, and you pull as hard as you can. How do they go about teaching you guys to do that? Do you watch a video, or do they, like, just... No, it's, uh... So ground week and tower week is pretty much it. Oh, okay. Jeez. So, yeah, you do a lot of do a lot of stuff like uh, suspended. Uh, they've got like these big, long bays, and mm-hmm. you can you just sit in like uh, the harness kind of thing, and you practice pulling and slipping. And how long did you say that whole process is? Like the whole airborne training? Three weeks. Three weeks, and then is there another graduation ceremony for that? Or yes. Okay, and then after that, is there is it just back on some other kind of training or if you do have it uh i came home for a little while and then showed up to my duty station oh you're on leave for a little while yeah kind of i just had a break i mean i guess technically i was awol for a while oh. i've been awol i believe tw- twice in my military career on accident both times and awol stands for away without leave okay so i was gone when i wasn't supposed to be both times completely on accident and both oh. times it was fine I was charged uh, leave days for the second one. When I showed up to my unit, the guy was like, oh, you're late. I was like, what? It says that right there. He goes, are you new? I was like, yeah, very new. And he was like, all right, well, if you ever get Army paperwork and you have two dates on it, show up to the first one. Oh. I was like, all right. Huh. He's like, you're not going to be in trouble or anything. Uh, I have to charge you leave days, though. So I started my active duty career like negative days. Oh, I really? Believe. Yeah. Damn. So you came home, and that's how you ended up meeting your wife? Right? Is it I that? think it was during that time frame, yeah. Okay. When I came home in between going to my, there and my duty station. Okay. And, I mean, if you want to talk about that, that's up to you. You don't have to mention her name or anything, but I mean. Yeah, I'll talk would, about her. Would you say that that played a role in where your career ended up going? Yeah. All right. I believe I said that earlier. Yeah. So, um, so you guys, you can go ahead and talk about how you guys met and everything. I like it. It's Keith George. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. So, uh. I don't, uh, I don't know which one you've heard. The subway stuff. Oh, the subway one. Yeah, yeah that's great. So, uh, it, uh, I was out in Malala. I was about to hang out with uh, an old friend from, like, middle school or something. He ended up being, I think, a cokehead, but um, um, super into his own clothing company and cocaine. Um, but uh, so he wasn't. He was doing something. Um, but he lived out on a lake, whatever. But so. I was at Subway in Molala and uh, grabbed some food. And this uh, lady in front of me um, was, she was ordering a sandwich, but she had an army lanyard on. And I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> you in the army? That's pretty much what I sounded like, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> back then, right out of basic infantry, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. All full of hua and vinegar. Um, and she was like, uh, uh, no. And I was like, oh, I'm, I just saw your lanyard. I'm sorry. And she said, oh, yeah, uh, my brother's in the army. Oh, what's he do? I have no idea. Uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, this was before I coined the term cool talk or what? Good talk. Yeah, good talk. Good talk. It's a thing. It's going to be a thing. It is a thing, actually. Anyway, so, but I was like, okay, whatever. Got my sandwich, ate my sandwich, peeled out my truck because I was a big old douchebag. And uh, she messaged me on Facebook later because we were on friends on Facebook um, from uh, previously, it was actually, uh, so that same friend, the Coke fiend, he, uh, had all kinds of get rich quick schemes. Oh, okay. And, and yeah. one of them was to create a social media site. I don't even remember what it was called. And, uh, 
So I added it because I was his buddy. She added it because she felt sorry for him. Uh, I looked her up on Facebook after that, and I was like, oh, hey, she's pretty cute. And mm-hmm. then at the time, um, she was 17, and I was like, oh, nope, can't do that. In the Army, I mean, in general, you can't do that. Yeah. But in the Army, it's a huge no-no. Okay. So uh, I was like, nah, uh, you know, I talked to her a little bit, but it was kind of nothing. She messaged me on Facebook. She's like, hey, you're the guy in Subway. And my instinct was, hey, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and then I kind of remembered the whole conversation that I had that same day. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah. And uh, we kind of hung out a couple times. And then uh, a little while after that, we started dating. And then a couple years after that, we got married. And so with that whole thing, you had to basically be like, I want to hang out, but I need to head back to training. Like, I mean, how did that all go? Because you were only home for a little while, right? It, uh, well, yeah. So I got to my unit in whatever uh october i think it was of 2010 2010 yeah and then we started dating in january Uh, okay for reals so but then after that started um portland was within the mileage limit of base where you didn't have to fill out a pass because your training you went up to up to uh washington right not training that's where i lived Oh, okay. That's where I was stationed at. That's where you are stationed. Is yeah. that where you headed back after you were home for that? Yep. Okay. I was only stationed at Lewis. Oh, So okay. I just, I drove up there, um, which was super nice. Cause, so when I was airborne, the 82nd was there, 82nd Airborne, uh, fairly well-known division. And uh, they were like, hey, uh, we'll straight up, we'll change your orders. Easy peasy. You want to go to airborne unit? We'll do it now. Uh, I had orders for Fort Lewis mm-hmm. or Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And I was like, that's like two hours from my home. Like, I think I'm going to stick with that for now kind yeah. of thing. So, so I'm glad I did. Because, yeah, you can, can't you travel? It's like a certain amount of miles or a radius or whatever. About from 200, yeah. 200? Without a pass. Okay. And so, because she said you pretty much drove home like every Every weekend. Jeez. Just primarily for her or? Yep. Wow. That's crazy. I drove home every weekend except for weekends that I had to train. Jeez. And so that's just, you guys hung out pretty much every single weekend. Yep. You, all right. That's pretty cool. And did she ever come up there, or did you always? Nope. Wow. I always came down. Wow. Was there much to do up around the base there? Or? All kinds of stuff, but she was 18. Yeah. In high school with parents. Yeah, that's true. And were, how did they feel about you guys dating? or were they... I think they were okay with it. Okay. I mean, I've always gotten along with their parents, so. Well, yeah, I guess her did it was Clarence in the military or he was a long okay. time before he was an engineer. Okay, wow. And did you guys bond it all over that or yeah? Okay, over that, and I wanted to be a cop, and he was a sheriff's deputy, and yeah. Okay, so where how did the training and everything were you were you basically like I'm gonna for sure deploy at some point? Yes. Okay, you that's knew. a given. Even eh, maybe not so much anymore, but then it was. Not a matter of if, but when are we going back? Okay, because at the time we were still, there was, was it both Enduring Freedom and all that still going on? I believe Iraq was in the midst of winding down. Okay. Um, but yeah. So you knew at the time, I'm going to have to go. Yes. Oh, sorry about the cat. Nope. Um, so at what point then, once you went back in uh, in October or whatever... How long then was it until you went on your first deployment? Uh, I deployed in April of 2012. 
So oh, I don't okay. know. I'm not good at math or yeah, it's, it's a couple it's years. Long. Yeah, and I mean the whole More like time, one year. The whole time are they basically training you to be like your your? I mean, was it extensive training every single week? No. Oh, okay. A lot of down, not even downtime. It's kind of hard to explain active duty time. You do a lot of fun, cool guy stuff, and you do a lot of tedious, meaningless bullshit. Okay. And was it basically training straight from there, and then you went to go just over uh, overseas, or did they send you to another base to do like? Nah, so active duty is a lot different than guard or reserves. Okay. You live, you breathe. Uh, you're just your army. That's all you, you do. That's your job. You exist. Yeah, you exist for the army. And okay. that, I mean, I think I was starting to say that earlier. It's just I gave uh, everything to the army. Everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through basic cleaned my slate, said, what do you want, kind of thing, and was able to be molded into an Army soldier. Okay. And like I said earlier, in comparison to some people who show up and they're just like, yeah, I just, I'm just doing art. I just want to go to school or whatever. Yeah, I just want to be me and go to school. I didn't want that. I was tired of being me. I wanted to be, I wanted to be an Army infantryman. And that's, okay. that's what it made me into. All right. Um, but so you live and you breathe it. You're... The army is everything. It was my heart, my soul, my blood. It was everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, being an infantryman was that was it. Okay. And, and so, sorry, I'm just gonna keep going. So, and in reference to your original question, um, you do a lot of training and you put a lot of work into that because that's what you're gonna do. Well, I, actually, we didn't really do a whole lot of that, but you learn how to be an infantryman even better than you did in basic. You learn the finer touches. You learn your unit. Uh, standards, your SOPs, your standard operating procedures kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you clear a glass house, a glass house being, you put up like engineer tape, which is like rope pretty much, and you make a building out of it. So there's no walls, but yeah. you have the floor plan there and you clear that glass house okay. like 200 times in a day. You okay. just, just repetition drills and doing it over and over again. And is there, do they set up consequences in case you guys mess up or something like that? No. Uh, active army, uh, at least our unit wasn't, it was, this is how you're going to do it better. Oh, okay. Kind of thing. All right. So yes, you did it wrong, but this is what you need to do. And this is what we're going to fix. And you did that basically just, you don't do that every day. No, that kind of thing that, uh, I mean, you can sometimes, um, but no, I mean, you just, I mean, you you live there, you you live your life and some days it's just kind of like a job where as a private, you're just going to. Kind of chill out, sit around. Maybe even, you know, you go hide in your car. That was an order given a lot of times. Like, hey, just be scarce. Keep your phone on. Oh, really? Call you if you need you kind of thing. Yeah. Are there people that ever, I mean, are you allowed to, I mean, are there people up there that, like, had a part-time job or whatever? Or was that just, like? No, absolutely not. You don't have time for that. Okay, I wasn't sure. I mean, I've heard of, like, you know. I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of downtime, so I wasn't sure if there's people that like. It's not necessarily downtime. You're still, I guess, what you would call on call. Oh, okay. Sometimes you can't even go over to your barracks room. Yeah. You just you have to be in the parking lot, kind of thing, Jeez. or you got to stay down in the armory, like okay. down in down in the basement, whatever. And so, I guess, how does it come up where they let you know, like, all right, it's time to it's time to deploy? Like, what do they do? They just call a meeting or something like that, or. Uh, no, it's usually whispers in the beginning, like, Sorry, oh, hey, we're, we're about to, we're probably going to go soon, orders are going to get cut, you know, rumors, this, that, and then it's, we're deploying next year at some point, 
and then it's here's the date you're going, and then it's your date changed. You're going this day, oh. and then come day of, you get on a bus and you go to McCord. You get on a big ass plane and you fly across the world. Wow. And is it always kind of as far as anything going to the Middle East? It seems like a lot of people like head to Kuwait and stuff. Is that I'm uh, gonna... a lot of people head a lot of places? Oh, uh, okay. We had a pit stop in somewhere on the East Coast. I don't know where. And then we flew across the, whatever that is, the Atlantic, landed in Germany, had a few minutes in Germany where we didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I took a nap on like a bunch of chairs kind of thing because it was an airport. And then we got on there and we went to Manas. It's in one of the stands or the stands. I don't know, some random stand that's there. Yeah. And uh, there you get like uh, your body armor and that kind of stuff. Okay. It's like a set it's like a what you call it a gear up kind of area to get your kind of yeah. stuff and yeah, reevaluate and then from there you fly into whatever like sector you're going to we were down south so we flew into kandahar airfield calf oh, okay and then what's the day there once you start your deployment like what's the day like a lot of kind of in processing for theater um i showed up put my stuff Put my stuff down. My squad was going to play basketball in the gym. Uh, put some PTs real on real quick. Went to the gym. Blew my knee out. Oh, right away. <laughs> the same day I landed. Did you get in trouble for that, or is no. that like oh, okay? Because you guys are all seen as like government property, right? Sure. And then I just wasn't sure if that's like a bad thing to do. Like if they're like you accidentally met... get hurt. Yeah, I mean, I just wasn't sure if that's like something like you know, if you doing something recreationally and you end up injuring yourself because of it, if you're sure. like kind of when you're overseas, everything's army. Oh, okay. I mean, you don't have regular clothes. Yeah. So. All right. So in that case, no. And then in real life, no. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Never do anything. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to my barracks room and sit in my bed, <laughs> powering down now. <laughs> I mean, if they want that, then you're going to have to do that. They're going to have to have robots. So did you end up having to get surgery over there? Eventually. Okay. They wouldn't let me go right away. So you were out doing missions and stuff? No. So oh. they were like, no, uh, you're going to come out to the base with us. You've got like a, a nice chair. You're going to work on You're going to work the camera for the base. It's a, it was a uh, raid camera. No, raid? Maybe a raid camera. I don't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. It's up on a 100-foot pole, 360, up and down. So kind of help with, uh, I learned patterns of life. And so I did that for about a month and then started to just go absolutely insane. Okay. Because I'm, I'm sitting there on the camera watching my friends get shot at and blown up because they're out doing missions. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually, I just went to the commander and I was like, hey, sir, I need to be out with my, with my friends, with my family. If you keep me in here, I'm going to start fucking killing people. Yeah. I was like, I, I believe I said we're both men of action. Like, I need to get out and do this. He's like, well, how's your knee? I was like, it's fine. It's great. My knee is doing just fine. He had me do some bullshit CrossFit stuff, and I, I just grit through it, and my knee clicking and clacking away, and um, he let me go to the line. So, in, and in all reality, your knee was not great, right? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I'm the meme of the kid sitting on the bus, and it's on fire. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah. So, um... So I was thinking about when you were describing that, you know, you get prepped to make army your life and that just what you live and breathe and everything. So I remember you saying that, um, that song by Muse, Psycho, like it kind of, 
reminded you of training to just kind of like get yourself a mindset like you know this is what i do i don't give a fuck like you know like you know that song like um i know the song yeah the song wasn't out when i was in yeah no i mean when we when we were like out driving around like sure. you just kind of like talked about like yeah this is kind of reminds me of like the mindset that we they, sure. like had to get into yeah it's just that i mean that song delves kind of i think into like the brainwashing they want you to be a drone yeah kind of thing um Looking back, did you do you feel like that's kind of how you were? Like you were like, yeah, like this is sure, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I allowed the the brainwashing kind of thing to happen. The, uh, you know, like you're gonna go kill these people, but they're not people, kind of thing. I allowed that. That's fine. You need to do that. Yeah, we were at war. Um, as far as being a drone, no, and even as and especially as time went on in the military, I started to, while still being military, I was. I gave myself, in my new identity, I became myself again. Okay. I stopped being, you know, a cog or whatever in the system. And I started to become myself. You know, I, and it's who I am now. A little sarcastic, a little lippy, toeing the line between uh, insubordinate and not mm-hmm. kind of thing. So the Jake that went into the army and the one that was in the midst of it all, very different people? I'm going to, yeah, more or less. Okay. Yeah. And um, so... I mean, can you describe anything that you were like doing over there? Or, like, I mean, sure. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't doing any secret squirrel stuff. If that's yeah, what you're yeah, wondering. yeah. I know. I just wasn't sure if it's like a sensitive thing. I don't really know. I mean, it is. It. Um, but I figured it was going to come up. I mean, it's probably whatever the coolest part of my life. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the most I've done. Do you look back on it and like that was a cool time, or is it kind of a, a sadder time? Yes. Okay. So it's to both. Yeah. Sure. It changed you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So pre army Jake was one guy. In army Jake was another guy. Deployment Jake was something else. And then post deployment Jake was something else even. And now I'm I mean, we're human beings. We live, we grow, we continue we continue to learn and, and I mean, well if you're not then you suck, but you continue to learn, you do new things, you become uh, marginally different than you are. Not necessarily as drastic as like pre-Jake to, to, or pre-Army Jake to, to regular Jake or yeah. to Army Jake, you know. I mean, that was a huge change. I just yeah. like clean slate. Teach me how to be a good, better person. Teach me how to be a man. Yeah. But, because I've changed, because I got out in 2013, I mean, um, I mean, you and I, we're both way different than we were uh, when we first met, when yeah. we lived together. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, because, I mean, you grow up, yeah. for lack of a better term. You learn new things. You, you continue to grow as a, as a person yeah. and develop who you want to be as you continue on in life. Yeah. In any case, what was the question? So, like, what was the day in, day out kind of? I mean, did you wake up and then, oh, like, right. this is yeah, what we're doing today? Or? So, uh, yeah. So, let's just jump all the boring stuff where you're at CAF or all the boring stuff where I was on the, what do you call it? Cop combat outpost. So you've got uh, again word pictures. So at the top you got FOBS, uh, forward operating base, base Kandahar Airfield. Uh, it's got like freaking uh, not Starbucks, but they've got like coffee shops. They've got TGF Fridays. They've got places with okay. hamburgers and eggs on them. Yeah. I just told that story the other day. I had my first hamburger with an egg on it when I was overseas, and it that changed my life drastically. <laughs> Made a new Jake. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Post hamburger with an egg on it, Jake, and pre hamburger 
with an egg on a Jake. Yeah. Very different people. In any case, it's kind of a different world. Yeah. You know, sometimes they'll have a air quotes here, rocket attack, you know, where everybody ducks and covers and screams and hope for their combat action badge because they're all silly, stupid pogues. And then, uh, so, and then the next level under that is a uh, combat outpost uh, where it, you, our combat outpost had some, quite a few amenities. It was, wasn't bad. We had um, a big thing of potable water uh, meaning drinkable, showerable, that kind of thing. You can use it. Uh, yeah. We had some showers like in, it's like two showers to a trailer. Mm-hmm. They're cut in half of the wall and you just got like a sink you can use and a shower. But you have a shower. We had like six of those. Okay. Total. So three trailers, six showers. You got big tents with uh, all our cots set up in them. The tents were generally air conditioned if the if the generators were working and everything. Yeah, like what was the weather like over there? Hot. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I was there from April to January okay, in Afghanistan, and it had rained the day before I showed up, and it didn't rain again. Jeez. I didn't see rain for nine months. Really? Gosh. Yeah. Coming from the Pacific Northwest, too. That's... Well, yeah. I mean, it kind of sucked. I didn't really notice it at the time, in all honesty. Yeah. When I came back, I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen rain in a long time. Yeah. It, uh, well, yeah, it's it's warm there. In any case, so the combat outpost, generally nice, mm-hmm. good living conditions. Yeah. And then you've got your patrol base, uh, which was usually occupied in our AO and with our chain of command, or not chain of command, but our, yeah, sure, whatever chain of command. Our, our patrol bases were occupied by a platoon. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so one platoon of guys. Whereas yeah. the combat outpost was where your company headquarters was at, and then the FOB was where your brigade or battalion rat okay you'd have like your excuse me your battalion at one fob like a smaller fob and you have brigade headquarters and divisionary headquarters over at kandahar airfield and stuff so okay the higher up in the chain you get the safer you are <laughs> okay and is there um is there one that you're you spend more time at than the others or no we had a few we had three different patrol bases while i was there okay and I spent time at all three of them, and but eventually my knee got well. We can get into that later. I spent quite a bit of time at the cop too. I became okay. kind of more or less a maintenance, physical security expert kind of. I had a jack of all trades, working fourteen hour days on the cop. Okay, all right, and so, so, so you're primarily in this one area. Was there ever like? Like, uh, you guys had to go out and, like, search surrounding areas or anything like that, or... What um, is your definition of an area in this case? Um, I mean, was there ever, like, just like a, like a, I don't know, I, I was, like, Sean always told me they had to kind of, like, go and search, like, for, like, weapon caches and stuff, and, like, sure. I just wasn't sure if you had to do anything like that, or... Yeah, so, oh, so are you, are you asking if I was confined to my patrol base? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. No, we did patrols every day. Every single day, that was just expected, or yeah, okay. our, our, I mean, we would do patrols, um, search IEDs, and we would call the meet and greets. We go speak with the elders. We go speak with the locals, kind of thing. Uh, in reality, we we're just walking around waiting to get shot at. Jeez. So that we could shoot back and potentially kill the people shooting at us. Jeez, yeah. So what's like a group going out like? Like size, not like squad. Okay. So anywhere between. 
Well, a squad and weapons team, so anywhere probably between six and twelve dudes. Okay, and ish. Is, is there certain roles that they make sure to have? Like, there's like a translator, there's like a medic guy, there's like sure. Um, yeah, I mean, now that I think about it, maybe it's like fifteen to twenty. Uh, okay. So, the Multiple. PL the PL went on all of them. Um, the PL or the platoon sergeant, so the platoon leader, uh, a lieutenant generally, and the platoon sergeant an E seven. He may have been actually a six at the time, mm-hmm. but in charge of us as a seven. Um, that guy's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Staff Sergeant Billy. I'm going to start first class now, but we'll call him Billy. Great dude. In any case, uh, and then you've got your squad leader, uh, two team leaders, and then depending on how many people you have in the squad, our, our true squad should have a squad leader, two team leaders, and each team leader is in charge of three people. So that's three, six, eight, nine people. Okay. Because we were a mechanized unit, we also had a vehicle commander and a driver. So each squad, fully staffed, would have 11 people. Our squad had... We had... Well, so you're supposed to have three people in a team. We had one person per team. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> little understaffed. Little understaffed. <laughs> and then it only got worse as we start getting fucked up. Okay. So, I mean, that's why uh, we would pull guard all night. We'd have like a six-hour guard shift throughout the night, and then you'd get up and do a patrol for the day after and, a couple hours of sleep. And would they fly people in to like kind of help We got build? very little re- replacements. Jeez. And so was there multiple groups like this, like squads out in like certain sections, like miles apart? Sure, or? yeah. So at the beginning of our deployment, we had more units in the area or AO, Area of Operations. So we had, we were the 423, the 4th Battalion, 23rd Infantry. That was our uh, battalion. So in the battalion, we had, I believe, four companies. Each company had an AO uh, in our battalion AO, right? Yeah. Yeah, so little sections of land that, you know, like we had ACO, um, Apache Company. They were down south. Braves Company, us, we were kind of in the middle, and then Seco was somewhere else. I don't know. Um, partway through the deployment, everything changed. We had troop drawdown. So each section that a whole company was in charge of became a platoons problem. Oh, okay. So it goes from four platoons per AO to one platoon per AO. Okay. Um, which was quite difficult yeah that sounds like it fuck so um so would there ever be like you know some crazy event that occurs in another ao where they're like hey we need like some support over here or is it like hey you gotta manage and figure it out or uh that may be the case but they would there's qrf at each quick reaction force at each base every day oh. somebody's designated for it i think that actually cycled through before everything's small got smaller so we would get time at the cop to shower, uh, to shave, to do all the stuff that you need to do. And we were QRF for like a week. And then you would cycle back out to a oh, patrol base. Okay. So there was always people back at, at the, at the fob sure. that were pretty much ready to support. But now let's say your company internal QRF gets, uh, goes out to help, gets fucked up. Yeah. Right now you need another QRF. Yeah. Well, uh, battalion should have one. Um, I mean, it's further away, but they should have one. Yeah. They get to you kind of thing. It never got that bad. 
to get to that point. But there's contingency plans for that kind of thing. So there is multiple. There's the first string. The battalion the is in charge of a large AO, and they section that AO out to um, the companies in the battalion. Oh, okay. So if one, and they can also just say, hey, uh, Bravesco, uh, you need to, uh, your QF needs to spin up, and you need to go help ACO down south. Oh, kind okay. Of thing. Yeah, that's one thing. There's definitely a lot of acronyms in the military. I'm trying to yeah, no, you're doing a really good job. Explain them as I go. Yeah, so no. if you've missed them in no, the beginning, it's... you gotta like rewind or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and is that how most um, anytime we like there's something going on in Afghanistan, Iraq, or wherever, do they always kind of have the same like setup where there's like you know one big AO that's like covered by a battalion, and th- do they always kind of do this? Where I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't they? I just wasn't sure if this is, like, the basic, That's like, pretty standard. I mean, yeah. if you're trying to control a piece of land yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I you know, even paintballing, you say, hey, you two, you know, I just did, let's get into something a little little less heavy, I guess, for a second. Yeah. I do Super Game every year in the Northwest, and you get, you know, like, what is it, like 2,000-something two, two people. Yeah. I just did it last year. Revamped communications for the entire, for the entire, red team where i was communicating with other team captains and the general and all this stuff and in any case so i did less playing of paintball and more movement of my troops because we had about 40 people on the field at a time okay and so i have a much smaller ao to work with than our battalion did for Mm -hmm. say but i still said you two are over here that's your ao you two are here that's your ao yeah kind of thing and then i have reserve yeah so if these guys uh, I'm pointing down to somebody yeah. else. <laughs> if two of my guys in a certain AO start getting overrun or call call me on the radio and they're like, hey, we need some backup down here, I can push four or five down guys down to them. And once it's secure, maybe leave a guy and pull three or four back. You know, it's kind of the same kind of concept like on a yeah. much smaller scale. I mean, it's just, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's probably a term for it, war fighting. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I wasn't sure. I mean, I haven't been sure. a part of the military. That's. A, I mean, that, I a solid question. I guess I just ball. I mean, Age of Empires, but I'm not. You know, like. I mean, even then, if you're playing Age of Empires, right, you're not gonna have all your dudes clustered in the middle. Well, that's a no, good point. Yeah, I do the same thing. Just mass everything and yeah. send them as needed. All in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, and this is basically, this is your life for about, you said from April until... It was uh, nine months. I spent... Nine months. Just under a month getting surgery. So, while I was over there, while I was fighting on my menis, my torn, it was a torn meniscus at this point. That you had since day one, right? Yes. Um, I was wearing a soft knee brace, a hard knee brace, meaning a knee brace with like a, a hinge on it, like two two rods with a hinge on the side. Yeah. When I was doing patrols and just popping Advil like candy. Uh, when I would do patrols, and it was getting so bad that um, I would have moments of just excruciating pain, yeah. and I'm just like somewhere in the corner or off to the side. I'm just like whew, trying to just get through it. And at, at you know my lieutenant, he's he was a smart dude. He knew his guys. Yeah. He eventually said, "There's a convoy coming." Pack your shit up. You're leaving. You need to go get that fixed. I don't care what they say because they wouldn't let me go get it fixed. The upper oh. echelons of leadership originally. Yeah. Like, I don't care what they say. You're leaving. You're gonna go get it fixed. I was like, all right, you know. So then. And you said this is at what point during the nine month? This is like midpoint. It was this... luckily after fighting season, so oh. I actually got to do my job for quite a while. Okay. And 
so fighting season was coming to an end, which is usually like March, April, May, June, maybe July. I don't know. It was a while. Yeah. I think I left in July. Okay. I don't remember. Ended up going to Aludeed Air Force Base in Qatar, where an Air Force lady fixed my knee. Oh. Ten days after my surgery, I was in a guard tower back on the line with my unit. Wow. Yes. Jeez. Yes. Just, it was all stitched up healing. You're just doing your job. like. Yeah, ten days later. Jeez. I'm guessing that's not the suggested. Uh, I mean, did they probably, they knew, like, okay, this is, he's going to do whatever he has to do to get back out there. Like, uh, no. were, you, were you breaking, like, kind of, I mean, did they knew you were going, okay. It was more like, uh, no, nah, they knew, and it was just, but I was, I was actually getting a surgery with my platoon sergeant while I was there. He, oh. he had a hernia. Oh, okay. And so he was getting that fixed. And he was like, I'm headed back. Uh, are you coming with me? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Jeez. And so, yeah, I just jumped on the plane with him. I think there was probably more to it than that. But yeah, jumped on the plane, and I was back in Afghanistan. But it's not like there was somebody above you that was going to say, no, you need to, like, go through this physical therapy, and you need to get everything under wraps. So, like, you could <laughs> Not kinda... that I know of. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was probably suggested that I do physical therapy, but... But there was nothing saying you have to do this. There wasn't any kind of okay. No. All right. So you got back here in this. I mean, um, I mean, prior to that and everything, is there? I mean, you can talk about like what fighting season was like and everything. And I don't know. Except, was that like a long while where it was just like sure fucking felt like it. Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, no. So I spent. Um, I guess back to the heavy stuff. I spent about a month of my life thinking that I was either going to be dead or missing limbs at the end of the day. Jeez. Straight up, just, I'm not going to make it through this day. And at some point during that month, you just say, okay, sounds good. Fuck it. I'm yeah. over here. Fuck this place. And through through all this, are you writing to, like, Maggie or making calls and yeah, stuff? Yeah, a little of both. Okay. Yep. Wow. Actually, I don't know if I wrote anything to go out because the mail system over there is not great. She would write me. My dad would send me pictures of him eating bagels in my favorite bagel shop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, how much did you disclose to like your your dad and your my dad? Uh, quite a bit. Um, my mom, nothing. Uh, Maggie, not much. Uh, okay. Sometimes I call my uncle too. Okay. He's but a, you pretty just straight up with your dad. I mean, were you telling him? I, I had to tell somebody something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did you? I mean, I mean. I don't know. What's a conversation like that like? Like knowing like how stressful a month that is. Like how stressful. Like every day you're kind of unsure. Did you um, tell him that? Like, hey. I, I would tell him when things would happen. And he did really good with it on the phone. But I talked to his now wife. Uh, or she brought it up later. And she was like, that was terrible for him. Oh, really? Yeah. He it was really hard for him. to you at the time, though? No. On the phone, it was just kind of like, oh, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, that is, I mean, but was it hard for you to tell him about that? Like, were you kind of like, fuck, I don't know. No, I mean, it was know. either that or tell Maggie that. Yeah, that's true. No. I don't know, I think that's for, yeah, so, my Jeez. wife Maggie. Yeah. So, um, and I guess, was the reason why you could see how kind of dangerous the situation was? I mean, I'm guessing that you saw some friends that kind of... Like was so, it was it prevalent for a while? Like there was people that were that were dying and such. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest threat we had in our AO was IEDs. They were oh. improvised explosive devices 
they were fucking everywhere. Yeah. We actually had a point where we went and cleared the town that had been under Taliban control since the dawn of time, pretty much. Wow. Never been a green town. Always red. Town of Magat. But in between our base, says, so our patrol base and our cop was just, we called it the field of death. It was just, they, every day they'd go out there and plant IEDs. Wow. Yeah, tons of IEDs. And what was the clearing process like? I don't know. So for the village or the, the field of death? For the field of death. Like how did you Field guys... of death was given to, this was a huge operation, uh, multi-company um, with scouts and, you know, a battalion-sized operation to clear this town. Um, and ACO got in charge of field of death. And I think we had two or three casualties during that. Jeez. People stepping on IEDs. So, and is it like that they have a tool that goes out there, or do people yeah, have to sure. like... Yeah, uh, Let's get into that. So we've got the uh, the mine hound, is what it's called. It's pretty much a super fancy, like, old school landmine detector, like you'd see, like, on uh, the little green plastic guys. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Same kind of build. You know, you hold a handle uh, with your hand um, that's vertical, and then the length of the shaft... <laughs> uh, it uh, goes all the way to the ground, and then you've got like a, an elbow piece because you're holding it all day. Yeah, so, you know, like a, uh, you know, a kid with the, with the legs. Yeah, he's got to have the arms. What is that? Um, I don't know. You know, yeah. the disease where they can't walk. Yeah. Like Anyways, the... he's got like the arm things. Yeah. Uh, like Timmy. In any case, yeah, <laughs> your podcast is going to get on and then get shut down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and in any case, so it's like that, but then it comes down, it's got this flat head, and it was actually, it's called a Minehound, and it has round penetrating radar, GPR. Okay. And it's like kind of like an ultrasound for the ground, but it doesn't have an image display. It emits different beeps. So the Minehound operator had to kind of learn and memorize what those beeps meant. Jeez. And so we, so during... Our deployment, our movement was always in single file. Mm-hmm. Not great yeah. as far as tactics are concerned. But Minehound would be in front, sweeping ahead. And if they found a hot spot, they'd mark it. It was like almost like Bonami. It was like red powder. we just mark a circle around it and say, don't step here. Really? That's, jeez. Yeah. I, uh, more often than not, uh, elected for rear security. One, because... Um, if they shot at the back, I was the first one, um, able to return fire. And I, that was like, uh, I don't know, you know, anywhere between 10 and 30 people between me and the IEDs. <laughs> Jeez. So. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, and how, I mean, how far is it that you guys are trekking where you guys are having to walk through areas like this? Uh, uh I mean, just a couple hundred yards, or is this like... Oh, no, it's a ways. Oh, miles, maybe? I, no, I don't... It's clicks. I don't know, six clicks or so. Okay, yeah. You know? So 6,000 meters Yeah. Ish, okay. You, you could be doing. Yeah, jeez. And I mean, were they pretty common that you came across those, or was yeah. it everywhere? Oh. They were everywhere. In any case, IEDs... Yeah, so IEDs were the, the biggest thing that we had to deal with. So were the casualties that occurred usually the person that was, like, searching for them, checking and everything? No, well, actually, we never lost the Minehound guy. Oh. Probably because he knew where they were at. We did reach a point, like I said, during that month, we're, we're all stressed out. We all, people keep stepping on IDs and all throughout the unit. People get shot at. 
you know, you're not sleeping, so the stress accumulates, and it gets to the point where he beeps it, and he's like, oh, I'm not really sure, and the dude behind him just fucking jumps on it, like, fuck this, he goes, oh, nope, no IED, and they, uh, I believe they ended up having a fist fight when they got back, the mine hound operator and the, and the, and the squad leader. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Which, I mean, they hashed it out, um, they were super chill after that, but the mine hound operator was super pissed. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, what's, I mean, because if one of those IEDs goes off, is it probably, is it going to affect the person that stepped on it, or could it be probably anyone within a certain radius? Oh, yeah, where we were at, they were more, I guess you'd call them, we would call them toe poppers. Oh. Um, so generally just for whoever's stepping on them, whereas everybody else will probably have a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, uh, hearing issues, because um, it's an explosion. Yeah. Um, disorientation, that kind of thing. But yeah. generally, whoever stepped on them loses a leg or two. Jeez. And and this is kind of going on. For, so this is like that, that bad month you were saying. Why was it one month that was significantly worse than others? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, the, Well, I guess because we were more active. Uh, we're doing clearing operations of Magat, and we're taking over buildings, bases, doing that kind of stuff, walking around, doing all that kind of thing. And then we were also, on top of that, we would get shot at every day. Jeez. Yeah. And I've heard that, you know, they're not the greatest shots over there, thankfully. I no, mean... we had a guy we called Peg Leg Joe. He had a peg leg, and he had an M16 with a scope on it. Oh, okay. It was all just intel we had. And he, he almost shot me, I believe it was him. I'd like to believe it's him, several times. Okay. I had an M14 uh, EBR, uh, Enhanced Battle Rifle. And it was our marksman. So I was a squad designated marksman. I had a big old Louisville scope on it. Uh, it's a 7.62 by, I don't know what it is, 45, 54 or something. Yeah. Um, pretty much 308 for civilian terms. Um, and uh, yeah, they would aim for the scopes and they would aim for the big guns, the 240s, the ones that could actually reach out and touch them. And yeah, you almost shot me in the face twice. Jeez. I believe it was him. I'm going to believe it was him. And uh, no idea where he was at. Did you know it was like almost hit you in the face because like did you hear it go by or were you like so on the hillside or something? So one of them, I was at this berm and I was at the rifle like I was under or was behind the berm and I put the rifle on the berm and I just crept up over the top. So all you can really see is the scope and the top of my head and I'm just kind of scanning. I'm looking for targets and then around kicks up the dirt next to my head jeez yeah like just like i don't know probably like six inches to the right jeez and i slowly came back down <laughs> put the rifle to my chest laid on my back and i said hey guys if you guys see him i'll fucking shoot him all all day uh he just about shot me in the face so i'm gonna be right here for a little bit um you guys just let me know i'll clean out my clean out my pants later jeez i didn't actually boot my pants but i was like yeah just you guys just let me know <laughs> So, was there a time where you guys were like, we have no idea where they're at, and we're just going to have to hang out until, hopefully, they pass? Or where were they? Would they... We, we would know the general direction. Okay. And we would shoot at it. Yeah. But, I mean, I was more of a point target kind of guy. In mm-hmm. that same firefight, I'm sitting there, and my buddy uh, Sharp runs over, and he's a squaw. Uh, squaw. He's a saw, so squad automatic weapon. You know, standard M249 saw. He's like, where are they at? Everybody's shooting, kind of whatever. Yeah. 
I don't fucking know. I said, I think he's over there by that gray putt. And he gets up onto a knee, and then uh, this must have been before he almost shot me because I, I was on the scope and I wasn't paying attention, and he just rips open with the saw. Just, gah, 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 gah. Jeez. And I'm like, what the? F-? You know, it's right in my ear. Yeah. I was like, God <laughs> damn it. What are you doing? So, so after a lot of shooting, you just try to suppress yeah. if you can see him. I mean, one of my, my first engagement, uh, uh, I almost shot a guy. I have no idea. It was the first time I'd ever been shot at. I was in a fatal funnel, meaning there was, I forgot about this story. So there was two, walking down this alley with two compounds on either sides of us with walls that are pretty high, probably like eight feet high, supposed IEDs on the walls. Mm-hmm. So we're walking down the middle, me and a 240 gunner I was in charge of, and we started getting shot at, an automatic and then a bolt action. And I'm in the open, and I take a knee, and I'm like, fuck, and I come up, and I see the dude, and I fire, like, three rounds. Uh, I can see him in the scope. No idea where my rounds went. Not even a little bit. Yeah, you, there's nothing you can really do to prepare for that. Yeah. Uh, getting shot at is awesome. It is a fucking rush. Yeah. There's nothing like it. You can try to tell me, yeah, go whitewater rafting, do bungee jumping, you know, go jump out of it. There's nothing like it. In any yeah. case, no idea where my rounds went. Just go, you know, and uh, then I was like, hey, I, w- I was talking to my buddy Claire. I was like, Claire, go back. Go back to where we we're at because we were in this ditch of sorts. And uh, so he goes back. He sets up. He's like, I can't see him. So then I'm on scope, and I see the guy poke around the corner again. I fire a couple rounds, and uh, then I tell him. I give him actually really good. I was like, ah, second house on the left, far right corner, you know, and he fires. And then uh, he's like, okay, I got it. And then I'm looking through the scope, and then I see the guy come around the corner again. I was like, fire, 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 fire. And he just lets out a big burst from the 240, and it blows chunks of the wall. The scopes are really nice. Leupold, big fan. I don't know if he can sponsor stuff, but I love fucking Leupold scopes. Uh, I got one on my 308 at home. Yeah. Uh, Chunks of the wall hit this dude in the face. Shoot, just about fucked him. Almost killed him. But he didn't come back out after that. Fuck. At that point, we had the uh, the PGS, the PGSS. I don't know what that stands for, but it's a big ass blimp from our cop, and it's got uh, a field of view of everything, pretty much. Yeah. And then from there, we get reports that yeah, that dude broke contact, other dude broke contact, and we go up and we continue our mission. Oh, all right. But uh, yeah. So that that was the first firefight, and then what were we talking about? How did we get there? Oh, I, I mean, we've just been talking about sure. Yeah. Whatever. Did you guys ever come across where you guys like captured anyone or? Yeah. Okay. Nope. All right. We're not talking about that one. Okay, that's cool. I just wasn't sure that 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 would just be like crazy to come across somebody who's like you know you were just in. Sure. That'd just be sticky stuff. But so this this is basically a whole month of like this was your every day just going out there. Sorry, we're gonna go back. I won't talk about one of them, uh, but I will talk about another. We did, uh, this is when I was later on, so I was working on the cop as like that maintenance, whatever. Uh, it was post, post-surgery post by like two or three months. Okay. So everything's kind of winding down. The first sergeant, super awesome guy, much better leader than the last one we had, was like, hey, he came to me specifically and said, hey, Miller, I, kn- I know you had surgery. I know if you want to stay with your guys, you can. Things seem to have been winding down. I need somebody back at base I can rely on to do some stuff. I was like... Yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. In any case, so I'm on base, and we, uh, uh, in conjunction with ANA and I believe SF, we raid a 
building of sorts. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Raid a building, bunch of Taliban dudes in there, go in, you know, everybody's getting zip cuffed. They come back in on trucks and uh, they're all in, I don't know what building we that was. It was just like a tent. I don't remember what it was for, but they're all, there's like 25-ish dudes sitting in here on their knees. Taliban guys? Yeah. On their knees, heads down, zip cuffed. And uh, I'm helping with security on this. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was kind of a crazy moment. A lot of dudes in there that want to fucking kill you. God, that would be... They just want you dead more than anything in their life. One dude's mean mugging me. I was like, get your fucking head down. You know, I'm just yelling at him and shit. And, you know, sure. Jeez. I'll stop the story there. They ended up going to, like, an Afghan jail or prison, which means they're probably dead. Yeah. Af- the Afghan army don't like Taliban. So are most of the um are most of the Taliban I mean, is there like a like an age range like that they all like though they all seem like like are they kind of vary? There's some old guys, there's some like younger guys. Sure. Uh we call that the very loosely used term of military age male or ma'am. Oh. Anywhere between probably like sixteen and eighty. Whoa. Sure. There were some people out there that were, like, doing uh, shit at, like... Peg Like Joe was supposedly, like, 50 or 60, which in Afghan years is, like, 200. <laughs> He's seen some shit. Yeah. Damn. He was probably fighting Russians. We Gosh. probably trained him. That's that's fucking crazy. So there are some people there over there that probably, like, this has been their life for, like, since they yeah, were 16. Yeah, that's all they do. Jeez. That's why they're good at it. That's why we haven't won the war. And yeah. we probably never will. Because even with the... That's all they do over there. That's their life. It's is not fight. Like, yeah. So even though they might not be the most like elite soldiers, they've just adapted to a lifestyle where like, yeah, I can uh, I can deal with this shit and just yeah. be... All right, well, that's, that's crazy. But um, all right, so is there any other like crazy, I mean, um, things you want to, you can talk about or within um, any of that experience overseas? Because I think at this point, like... You've pretty much cut on, like, you've hit on more than I've known, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, anything else that you, you want to talk about or you just feel like, you know? Was was there, like, particular, um, so you said that there was, like, Pig Leg Joe out there. Sure. So was there, like, some kind of means of, like, hey, there's this group that we lost and we don't know where they're at. Like, were you guys being able to be informed about some kind of like a group or like if there was a particular individual out there that's like in an area, just keep mindful of them, kind of like a bolo, be on the lookout for, you know? like Literally bolos. Okay, that's yeah. what they were. Um, well, yeah, so bolos were for vehicles and uh, HVT, high value target, was a term for people that um, were suspected in our AO. Oh, okay. And what did you guys do? Because did you guys come across, like, weapon caches and stuff like that? Like, just, like, anything that... I never did personally, no. Okay. What what would they do if they did come across something like that? Uh, like... Probably blow them in place. Oh, okay. Bip. All right. Jeez, that... I don't know. That's just crazy. Was it basically just... I mean, kill as many as you can? Or was it just kind of like... Would it be preferred that you guys could, like, detain them and send them to the Afghan, like, military... Yeah, Afghan prisons, I guess? Because I'm guessing there's not, like, these people aren't going to go into those prisons and be like, I'm going to change my ways. You know what? I've learned my lesson. Sure. You know? uh, 
No, I mean, there was nothing really officially or unofficially, but it's war. Yeah, do whatever you gotta do. So, I mean, it was mostly, yeah, engage with the enemy with, with bullets. Okay. I uh, mean, for lack of a better term, I mean, it's not like, you know, running around on the streets here. You know, yeah. The rules of engagement are a little bit different. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I guess. mean, the, the players in the game are different. And... Yeah. I just wasn't sure if there was, like, some kind of, like, code that they gave gave you guys to, like, hey, do this. Like, do this first. If you can't do this, then do this. Like, I just wasn't sure if, like, keep them alive if you can. Not really. Do whatever you got to do. Also not really. Oh, we have okay. rules of engagement. Yeah. And those vary from time to time, to time pretty much. Like, they can change. Okay. But, I mean, yeah. Would you guys hear about other things that were being, like, occurring? Was there, like, kind of, like, military news? Like, there was... <laughs> okay. I mean, that and... I mean, everything's... We're all fairly informed in general. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole network of military news. Yeah. If anything was, like, significant, would they, like, make sure to, like... This just occurred. We just overthrew this town. Or, I don't know. Was there... Oh, that kind of thing? Like, local stuff? Yeah, like was not there... really. Unless oh. it was our AO, in which case, yeah, we knew about it. Okay, but it wasn't like a let's go party or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of you know whatever. Just another day's work. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is there any other crazy stuff uh, regarding Afghanistan and everything that you feel? Yeah, like... I've been thinking about it, and uh, yeah, we'll do one more story. All right. So, um, uh, I had one kill and it was more of an assist but I'd like to count it um, so I guess we'll go through that story so we get this call on well somebody else did they get a call on the radio saying we got a guy at the spotter tree there's this big ass tree one tree top of a hill they would like to sit there and whenever we did movements they would call up their buddies and uh what do you know? A few minutes later, we get shot at because they were tracking us. Yeah. But he wouldn't walk around with a gun or anything. He wouldn't engage in us or whatever. He would just sit up there at the spotter trees, obviously aptly named because he was a spotter. They were like, we've been trying to kill him all day. We keep sending in helicopters. He'll hear him coming. He'll run inside a house. And when he run inside a house and you break line of sight with him, with a camera, with yourself, with a scope, whatever, you no longer have positive identification of that target. Oh, okay. So you can walk into a house walk right back out two seconds later but you don't know for sure that that's the same guy so oh. you have to reestablish PID positive identification yeah. um, that's going to be a big one so listen to that one PID yeah. uh, and so they you would hear the helicopters coming and they couldn't get them with the helicopters hmm. helicopters were huge in our AO they would come in and lay waste and leave and we'd go out and wow. damage the or BDAs battle damage assessment so collect bodies, et cetera, yeah. see what's up. In any case, so they hit us up. We were at the patrol base that day, and they were like, hey, uh, we, we want this guy dead. Um, you guys need to go out and do it. And we're like, well, okay, sure, whatever. Um, at this time, actually, we were not being resupplied, and so we did not have very much water. Oh. This is a whole nother thing um, that is quite disparaging to the chain of command. Um, that our XO at the time was a fucking jackass. Worst. Just a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> In any case, didn't have water. 
Yeah. So we're like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's go walk around the desert without any water. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> so we go out there as a platoon. We leave a skeleton crew at the base, pulling guard, that kind of thing. Move out as a platoon. Spotter calls it up. We actually can hear everything they say on the radio. We have something called a... What did I call the mine detector? Um, the... Uh, I call it a wolfhound? A minehound. Minehound. Okay, yeah. good. Because we had a wolfhound. Or okay. a wolf something. I don't know. But it picked up all the radio transmissions in the area. And there was... Back at the company CP, command post, at the company CP, they had a terp sitting on that radio at all times. So they could listen to what all the jibber-jabber was with the bad guys. Yeah. So bad guy gets on the radio. Hey, they're walking into the field. They're coming out. We go into this into the grape rows. It's deep rows. They're probably like three feet deep. They got grapes on the top of them and just nothing on the bottom. I, I don't really know how that works, but they grow yeah. grapes over there. They dry them out. They make raisins. Okay. Um, it's a big thing. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I didn't before I got there. <laughs> grape huts themselves are ancient oh, and okay. do not... Um, cannot demolish them with a rocket launcher. Like they're just that in force? Yes. Like, Side wow. note. Yes. Jeez. Very, very sturdy. <laughs> also, who knew? <laughs> grape huts. We figured it out. <laughs> um, so we get into the grape huts, and at this point, um, the LT says, everybody, you're hanging out here, and you're pretty much QRF for us. For We were an SKT, a small kill team. Uh, it was me, uh, my buddy Shane, uh, we were the shooters. We had a, a sergeant, the lieutenant, and that was it. Hmm. There's four of us. Yeah. So Shane also had the mine hound. So he's an M14 gunner and mine hound. So we're moving through the grape rows, just the four of us. And this is before we had cleared the town of Magat. So we are as far at this time, this is west, as far west as any American has been in many, many years. Wow. Just the four of us. Yeah. So he's mind hounding his way through. Like, we're doing stuff like like when you play war or, I don't know, even paintballing, or you think about in the movies, like coming up and low crawling across roads. Like, face to the dirt, just inching our way across the road, trying to get as close as we can to the target that we need to kill. Wow. Yeah. And are you guys all, like, like have your packs and everything while you're no, doing I this? No, I dumped it. Oh, dumped okay. my pack. I had a rifle. I had my vest with kit. Um you know, mags and stuff. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, Moody had his rifle and the mine hound. That was, that was it. He had his vest and everybody had vests, obviously. But and you guys are just like prone, just crawling. Yeah, just crawling through, um, you know, crouch walking through the grape rows, you know, mine hound or the wolf hound gets on and they're like, we get intel that says they lost track of us because the whole platoon just stopped. And then we sneak out just the four of us. And, uh, <laughs> at one point, Moody stops. He's like, stop, stop, stop. Everybody, back up. And he's mind hounding. And there's a big, fat, super scary snake on the, yeah, big old Jeez. snake on the wall. Like it, it's like halfway over the wall. Like its head's up here, and the body's like, uh, coiled down down the wall. It was great. They had some, everything in Afghanistan tries to kill you from yeah. the bees to the ants to the snakes to the freaking scorpions. Like everything just tries to fuck you up. Everything's bigger there too. Big, big old snake. Yeah. So we find a different way around, whatever. Did you guys ever like figure out like what kind of snake it is or No. Just, but uh, a side note, uh my first sergeant at the when I was whatever, that maintenance guy, uh managed to kill a pit viper with a stick. Wow. Yeah, it just attacked beat him. It to death. Yeah, it attacked him. And uh so he was walking with a, another guy. 
in, in like an E8 or an E7, and the E7 draws his, his pistol, and he's like, get, get away from it, first of all, get away, get away, I'm going to shoot it. And he manages to slap it in the head with a stick and then beat it to death. Jeez. And it ended up being a pit viper. Jeez. Like, kill your ass, pit viper. Like, damn nature, you scary, pit viper. And we'll just say right now, like, Peter, you can calm the fuck down. You know? Like, you what? Peter, Peter can yeah. calm the fuck oh, down. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it attacked first. It shot first. Yeah. Like, like Coming Han, right at us. Like Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, you're going to you're gonna get your, uh, your podcast up and running and then shut down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In any case... Um, so you guys are crawling Yeah, along. we're crawling through, low crawling and everything. Like, in my head at the time, I was thinking, I was like, God, like, this is, like, actual army shit. Because up until then, you're doing Afghan war stuff, which yeah. is not necessarily your quintessential army stuff. Because but this is, like, the stuff you see in movies. Like, yeah. People like, like, I'm low crawling through enemy lines right now. Yeah. So we get to the end of the Grape Bros. We can't go any further without, it, it's just an open field at this point. So we're crawling down this Grape Row, and... Uh, uh, I'm I'm watching what up ahead, and we're looking for our target, and our target's over by this tree, which is kind of like as we're if we're walking twelve o'clock, the trees that are two or three, that are twelve is a big building, and on top of it is standing uh, I think it was a little girl, and she was just looking around, and I was like stop 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 stop, so everybody stops, and I and uh, I lay down on my back and I'm looking up, and then a dude stands up next to her, and he's got uh, I don't know like an AK or something, he's got a gun up there. And they're just looking around because I believe they were looking like they knew we were out there, but they lost track of them. So we just stopped right where we're at, right in the open. And I'm sighted in on him. I'm laying on my back and uh, they're looking around. And this was the moment that I realized multicam is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like we're in the open to this guy. He's scanning. We Nobody's even breathing pretty much. And I'm just like if he if he does anything like he points him here, I'm just going to shoot him. And then he kind of, kind of looks around, and then he just goes back down behind the building. Do you think that they had that little girl there as like kind of like a? I don't know. Okay. But I mean, probably. Why else would she be standing up yeah. there? Or maybe she's just learning the ways. I don't know. Yeah. In any case, <clears throat> we all kind of okay. So we get a little further in the grape rows, not too close to the buildings, because obviously there's a bad guy there. Yeah. Because they wanted to kill that one specific guy, and there's <laughs> there's four of us. Jeez. So yeah, what's what's communication like at this point when you guys are like LT guys... has a radio with a platoon sergeant who was with the platoon. Oh, okay. So back where they stopped, yeah, it was kind of like he and we would uh, as we were moving through the grape rows, uh, I had made the decision or I suggested I guess, but I, I I asked I told the LT I was like hey we're making some we started right on our first turn I was like if we take contact and we need to get back to the guys quickly. We started stacking rocks at all of our turns, oh, so okay. that it was already cleared by the mine hound. Yeah. So we wouldn't have to use a mine hound. We could just diddy mount, get the fuck out. Yeah. So I'd stacked rocks. So at the same time, he gets on the radio and says, "Hey, if you guys need to get to us quick, follow the rocks." Hmm. Was that just something you guys came up with on the spot? Just that was like... something. Yeah, I came up with. Yeah. Huh, I nice. was like, uh, I, you know, I don't want to have to mine hound my because I've been in firefights where I'm in line and the mine hound's going and we're getting shot at oh, and I'm fuck. like just standing there like. Can we go? Like, you know, it's like a traffic jam, but a little more deadly. Uh, so we get to where we're at. Moody and I set up. Um, we're on a grape row. And actually, I vividly remember I was laying there, and I had a thorn, like, on my inner thigh. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a little close for comfort for me. 
but we're kind of we're set at this point. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. So I'm kind of um over the or I'm on the backside of a grape row, backside in comparison to the target. The gun's just over the top, and uh, we both have sight on him. Intel came back that he was 500 meters away. My gut instinct and Moody's was 550. So we split different split difference set scopes for about 525. Uh, I had there's a little bit of wind, so I did two clicks for um, wind. Wind was I believe it was right to left, and uh, he was walking. We were just waiting for a shot. And we were gonna window shot him, so one shot then the next, and uh, he turned towards us. Mind you, he's 550 yards away, meters away, whatever. He doesn't over there. And it starts walking, and I counted down three, two, one. Took a shot, and then Moody took a shot, and uh, dude dropped. So uh, later in the BDA, he had holes in uh, <laughs> both his legs. So Intel was wrong, weird. Uh, he was about 550 away, and uh, but because we split the difference, we did catch him in the legs. Oh, okay. So at this point, hits the ground. We're unable to get another good shot on him, and he scurries away. He tries to go enter a compound. They're watching him on camera, and it's actually a compound of women and children, and they kick him out before he can get inside. So now he's hiding there, bleeding out. Oh, okay. He can't get anywhere because the building that he normally goes to is across open ground that we're still sighted in on. Yeah. And Apache comes in and smokes him. Wow. Um, and unfortunately... I think a few days later, they go. we go to that compound, and there's nobody there. Hmm. Uh, more than likely, they're all dead. But in any case, so, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, whatever you want to call it, your quintessential statement or whatever. I mean, the real heroes in this situation were the women that told him, no, you can't come in here. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, we go pick him up and drag him back to base. and. Wow whatever but so that's that story so and what do you guys have to like go back and write a report at the end of the day no. or do you just like well somebody might okay <laughs> it wasn't me okay you didn't have to no. relay what a day was to you or anything like somebody just kind of like all right like like did you have to kill it uh like did you guys have to keep account of like we got into a firefight here this somebody did kill? okay somebody did all uh right. probably the lt or the sergeant okay it was not me okay um yeah. Oh, I was going to say something that I forgot. Jeez. That's crazy, though. I mean, how long would yeah, you say... I don't know say... if I told you that story. Uh, I, Maybe I, I didn't. Am. I didn't know that you guys were having to crawl through oh, yeah. all that and everything. Uh, but, um, like, how how long was it from the time that you guys were like... No idea. You don't remember, like, minutes no. or anything? Nope. Dang. Did it just feel like forever, kind of? Yes and no. Like I said, I was very cognitive of what we were doing. Yeah, and I was also um, excited. Like yeah. I mean, like I was like I'm doing like army shit right now. Yeah, you know I'm low crawling through enemy lines. Like Jeez. that's like that's when you're playing wars growing up. I don't know if kids do that anymore if they're even allowed to. <laughs> um, but I mean that's what I did. Yeah, you know. Jeez, that's crazy. And is that something like did you go home and I mean did you call your dad and tell him about all that or is this like yeah. something you kind of kept under? I didn't really tell my dad about that one. I I told my uncle. I, I mean, I had to tell somebody. Yeah. Jeez. And are you, so are you still friends with a lot of the people that you 
you served with. I haven't seen anybody in quite a while. Yeah. Nobody lives here on the West Coast or on the in the Northwest, but but I still talk to people all the time. Yeah. And where you were at, were there like other like was there Marines and stuff there too, or was it no? Okay, not during my deployment. Oh, it was just okay. us. I didn't even see other Army units. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. We were very segregated there. Wow. And so, does it just come to a time where basically do they keep an account of like, all right, they've been there for nine months, they did their part, they go home, or is it? I mean, like, how do they go about letting you know, like, you're you're done here? Like, is it? It's when, just a rotation. Okay. So, at a set time, a new unit shows up. Okay, and if there's, I mean, if there's something serious or something that was in the midst of. When you guys were about to have to, you know, rotate, would they be like, hey, we can't have you leave for, like, another month or whatever? Or, what do you mean? Like, could they extend your deployment? Oh, yeah, like... easily. I mean, early Iraq days, people were like, yeah, you're long deployment, and then all of a sudden they're there for 18 months. Whoa. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, early deployments were rough. Jeez, that's crazy. Mine was only nine months. But there's people that have, like, had to do 18-month deployments yeah. and stuff. There's people in their military career who have more time overseas than in the States. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how like Sean was. Like yeah. he told me, like yeah, early uh, you know invasion days. That's how it was. I mean, we didn't have the manpower. We were a peacetime army. Yeah, and so they were like, yeah, yeah, we don't have anybody to come in. So it's up to you guys. Jeez. Enjoy the next six months. That's crazy. So, um, so you came back to come home and everything. And um, do what do you guys like fly from? Do you guys like fly straight straight back to? No, Lewis, we went to Manas or? again. Turned in our body armor. Did some stuff, and then then I think we flew. Yeah, we flew black. I don't remember how we got back. but Yeah. Huh. How many of you guys come back? Like, was it your whole entire No, you do it in sections. Oh, okay. So so there have been people who have been back for like two weeks by the time I got back. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Those are are good stories. You haven't drank in nine months, and then some people get back, get hammered, and... Uh, get naked in a bathtub and shit themselves. And then they become a safety brief. Jeez. That's crazy. And is this usually, was this, um, when you were done, were you about to get out of the army? Or I, I mean, I guess you're still yes. taking, but I mean. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting out of active duty. So I got back in January and I was getting out in August uh, with uh, terminal leave and stuff. I was out in July. So I had about six months, hmm. which is kind of nice because they just accelerate your process. All I did was clearing. Yeah. I didn't really do any army stuff for those six months. Did you get to eat very much like while you were over there? Like, was it pretty like like were most of your days spent like hungry and dehydrated and stuff? Or, or <laughs> no, like... the dehydrated thing was kind of a one time thing. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I, and side note, uh, once you're dehydrated, it is a bitch to get back to rehydration. Uh, yeah. Oh my, it's easy to get dehydrated, and it is hard getting back. Yeah. In any case, uh, no, I mean we we had MREs, we had these. I don't remember what they're called, but they're like three meals in one, and they were terrible. Like we were, we would go to main bases and scrounge for MREs, steal people's MREs because hmm. we hated the food that we had. Okay. I mean, we had uh, our platoon had a like a charcoal grill, like a briquettes. Yeah. And we did, we had a big pot, and we would do like a like a jambalaya kind of thing sometimes. Oh. And then later on in the deployment, when we got a better XO, we got like a freezer. Yeah. And we we were able to put stuff in that, and one time we took over a base and. Uh, the CO bought a goat, and the ANA, uh, Afghan National Army, uh, just slid its throat on the front lawn of the house we were staying at. Jeez. Chopped it up, cooked it up. Amazing. <laughs> so good. Sorry, PETA. Yeah. That being said, there was uh, kind of like flatbread, so kind of like pita bread. Oh, yeah. 
Huh. The flatbread's great, actually, over there. I bet. So what uh, What about that? Because you showed me that video of the sandbags, the sandbagging stuff. Sure. Like, like what, was, what were you guys doing? What was the purpose? That was of actually that? the base that they uh, killed the goat at, or sheep, or whatever it was. Oh, okay. Uh, we had taken over a compound. It was the regional Taliban commander's home. The only people that were there was his dad and, I don't know, maybe a wife and kids and stuff. I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. Uh, but we said, hey, this is ours. You can go away. Um, I actually, they, he, that guy stayed there for the night. The Taliban guy? No, the dad. Oh, okay. Um, and it was, I was like, no, this guy's going to fucking kill me in my sleep. Jeez. In any case, uh, kicked him out, broke down a wall so we could bring vehicles in. But we had to create uh, fighting positions. Oh, you know, okay, yeah. Security defenses. So wow, sandbags. Jeez, sandbag. And that's, is that what you guys did all day then, basically? And were were you actually like basically getting like bag, filling it with sand, and just like all right, like? Uh, yeah, most of the day. Wow. And did that happen very often, or was that just that one day? Like every once in a while, when you guys had to set up some kind of fighting? just kind of where we had to set up stuff. Oh, okay. All right. We didn't just fill up sandbags for fun. Yeah, I guess you guys. Didn't need to have those on hand all the time but um so then so you guys come back and um what's it like coming back after that i mean i guess it's kind of nice i mean it was surprisingly simple it was almost surreal yeah like i was back and i was just kind of like yeah i'm back yeah it was different yeah i don't know it was really weird it wasn't like a crazy readjustment initially for me well yeah a year later i started having readjustment issues yeah so i mean i guess it's also nice to like come back and still be in a place where you're stationed with other people that you just went through all that through right yeah does that make it a little bit easier yeah yeah was when you came home like it like actually got home was your family there or anything or maggie was there oh okay jeez i don't think anybody else was i was like yeah i don't i don't really want to deal with you so but I, I mean, that weekend, or I was on leave, I think, almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, I, I obviously went home. Yeah. So. You f- drove down Just here? Just drove home, yeah. Oh, okay. Jeez. I saw everybody. So then how much longer was it that you were uh, still at like, the end of your contract? End of my active contract yeah. was like six months. Oh, okay. Wow. Jeez. And so what... I mean, do they kind of, like, once you come back from something like that, do they give you, like, all right, you just, you know, went through some crazy shit for nine months, here's a couple of weeks off, or is it straight back to, like, what you were doing? I think I got a little time off, and then it's supposed to be a nice readjustment period of, I think, like a quarter, like three months. Oh, okay. Um, But uh, my birthday, which is in February, so a month after we got back, I cleaned weapons for 14 hours. I actually lost my shit. I lost my shit that day. Oh, I yeah. started yelling, I threw a gun on the ground, I said, fuck this shit, fuck all of you, and was I it? left, and I, I didn't get in trouble, because, I mean, we didn't even get lunch, we didn't, they didn't let us eat, like, we were just cleaning oh, weapons, really? no explanation, straight hours? Yeah. not for me, because I fucking left, sounds like a punishment, so I ended up, hmm, you'd think, that's what bad leadership is, right there, oh, okay, and I went to Burger King, and bought, like, $50 hamburgers, and came back, <laughs> and, and fed everybody, since they weren't gonna do it. Jeez. That was one of the many moments where I was like, fuck this shit. Yeah. This is a month after we got back. Gosh. Go fuck yourselves. And, I mean, was it all day basically, like, breaking down the rifles, cleaning out barrels, oiling stuff, and sure, putting them yeah. back together? Yeah, and then turning uh, them in, and they're going, oh, nope, that's not clean enough. My gosh. Yeah. 
I've been doing this for eight straight hours <laughs> on the same gun. It's not even a different gun. Jeez. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, I guess now, because I saw you, you, you quickly, you were showing me, I think at one point when we lived together, you took apart your rifle just kind of quick and we're, I mean, I'm guessing you're pretty quick at that now. Like if you had to, could you remember everything you have to do to like break one down, clean it, put it back together? I'm guessing it's kind of like. Sorry, I was reading a text. What did you say? No, I'm guessing it's at this point, it's kind of like scarred into your mind how to clean a gun like that and all well, that. Well, I learned, I mean, I learned all that in basic. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Were you guys having to do that all the time while you were over, too? Like, was it like a get home, make sure, like, or I guess get back to base, make sure that everything is like... Yeah, generally. Uh, okay. But with the M14, you just, uh, you take the trigger assembly out and you run a bore, a bore snake through the barrel, you clean your trigger assembly with a toothbrush and you put it back in, you're done. Oh, okay. It's a pretty simple way. Pretty quick. There's another level to cleaning after that, but, I mean, I just never did it. Oh, okay. It works. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so six months, like you get out of the army. What's that like? Is there just like, do they try and like, all right, hey, we know it's the end of your contract, but hey, what if you stay in? Like, do they try and pressure you, like, uh, at all? Or? Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's called the retention. Uh, okay. There's a re- there's a guy whose job is retention. And I walked in, and he opens his mouth to talk, and I go, no, sergeant, no thanks. He goes, okay. He's like, I I won't bother you anymore. I'll and sign then, your paperwork, and you're done. Is there any kind of like, um, I guess if that guy's like successful at doing his job, is there any kind of like, like benefit to him, or does he just get recognized for it? Like, hey, way to keep the guys in, or I don't know, or is he just like I just go around and ask people if they say no, I don't care. I don't. It, yeah, it's not really a sought after position. Oh, okay, it's kind of like a hey, there's an opening here, and eeny meeny miny Sergeant Smith, whoever. <laughs> it sucks to suck, but your retention NCO. Oh, okay. And he's his job is to just Sucks go to around. suck, by the way, is yeah. <laughs> a, Kyle, a Kyle Taylor thing. <laughs> um, all right, so he came around, you're like, no, screw that. Was there a lot of guys that, I mean, was there anyone else? Did you hear anyone like, y'all, yeah, I'm doing it again? Or were most people... Back? I got a buddy who keeps re-enlisting. Oh, really? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, and, but they offer you, don't they kind of like give you like a... Like no, a there was zero incentive for me. Oh, really? I was like, yeah, give me like a $25,000 tax-free bonus. I'll stay in. For three years. Is that an option, like, to some people? Like, do they Sure. Offer? I knew a, an SF dude during the height of the war, and, uh, like, a Green Beret, yeah. and he got, I think he said, like, a $75,000 tax-free Holy. bonus to stay in. But, I mean, that's SF. That's something else. Okay. They spend countless dollars making these guys yeah. Green Berets, and they're like, please stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to get get somebody there. So you said that if you if you never ended up getting married and everything though you would would you probably been like yeah i'm doing this again or yeah do you probably, think... i wouldn't have had anything back here yeah that's pretty much all there was to it and it was more the deployment was really hard on maggie yeah. i mean obviously i mean it wasn't easy on me but uh because i mean while you're over there you don't really think about it but you i mean when you think about it 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 takes a toll on everybody involved yeah. in your life uh, a significant toll yeah, going to war and, and fighting. Um, and she, she didn't want to do another one, and so yeah. I said, "Okay." And if I'd stayed in, you're gonna do another one. Yeah, and was I mean, did she? Were you pretty open? Like you're like, I'm not gonna reenlist, or did she have to like pressure you? Like, hey, you're you're not we, gonna reenlist. We talked right? about it quick. Uh, like it was a conversation we had. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but did it, she have to convince you? Or no. Did she, oh, she said, "I don't want to do another deployment," and I. 
at the time didn't want to play army anymore. Oh. So it was kind of it was kind of easy. You didn't want to play army because you knew that it was taking a toll on her. No, because you... the army is retarded. <laughs> Sorry, again, whatever. Yeah. It, it no, it's it's. I mean, I told. I mean, you've you've heard some of this stuff. I mean, I didn't get water. Yeah. I'm in the desert. You're not it giving does. me water. That's like sucks. little things like that. Lots of little things that just says, man, and you know, and then you get get out, and I'm five years later. I'm like, God, what did I get out? You know, and then I come here and I do a podcast. And I, oh yeah, because they didn't give me any water in the desert. That's why I got out. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. So, what were some of the best things about when you did get out? You're like, oh yeah, like I forgot about how good this was. Uh, not waking up and working out every day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, is that basically standard every single day? Wake yeah, yeah. up, when go you're for a active jog. duty, at least infantry. Yeah. Wow. I I mean. I'm sure a lot of different MOSs do that in yeah. one way or another, but in the yeah, I mean yeah, I mean you you run you guys are like at least three miles every day every morning like yeah. the first thing yeah you just run 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 why are your knees so bad well maybe because we run every day <laughs> all right so you got out and then what were you thinking like as soon as you got out where I mean I know that you didn't immediately go into the career that you're in now. Um, what was, do, do, do they kind of help you find jobs or? They can, um, but I don't know. So a lot of the things they do when you're out processing, a lot of the classes you can take and a lot of classes you have to take are geared towards kids that got out of high school, left mama's house, joined the army, had some guy tell them what to do for four years. Now they're going to get dumped out at 22 with zero real life skills. Yeah. How do you interview for a job? You know, I at least, like, I wanted to get in sooner, but I'm glad I had two years there between high school and Army where I kind of knew what real life was. How do I pay bills? There's people who don't know how to pay bills. Yeah, that's true. You know, there's people, uh, like, 18-year-olds with, you know, babies and baby mamas that they have to pay, but the Army just takes the money out of their paycheck. Yeah. Like, they just do it all for them. You know, you don't have to pay for rent. There's no housing. There's no food. You just go to the DFAC if you need to. Yeah. You know, you don't have to buy like $200 in groceries every two weeks, you know, like that's, yeah, that makes you know, sense. That, it's, and so a lot of people get out and they go, Oh, what, oh, what am I doing? You know, like, uh, how do I, how do I real life? And so there's, there's actually quite a few programs that are geared towards that, now, oh, okay. which is actually good for them. Assuming that those people go to those programs and truly take from them what they have. But I mean, I had the, couple years i had kind of a plan set in place i knew where i was going to be living at you know yeah yeah i guess it's kind of hard to come back and in an interview so what are some of your skills well i'm really good at combat so if this office ever has any issues with that i'll take a lead yeah yes (laughs) all right what was your first job when you came back uh first real job was probably it was loss prevention oh was it yeah oh okay and I mean, were, that was months after I got out. And you immediately moved uh, into Oregon City? Yep. And you did you and Maggie just move in together right away? Yeah, she moved in with me, actually, when I got back from Afghanistan. We lived up on, off base, but we lived up oh, in, yeah, I forgot in Tacoma about that. together. Okay. Wow. What What's the, uh, did you like it up there? I mean. No, not really. Yeah. So you got back, you moved down here, you applied, and you got in, yeah, doing loss prevention and everything. Yep. And, uh, I mean... Me and you got to deal with it a little bit. I know that there was, there was, I guess I met you even before you did your phase two. I think that you were over in our store and there was um, somebody that you recognized that did shit at your store. And like oh, me, yeah. you. And I did. actually ran into him at work. It's, uh, 
Man, I can't remember his name. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, no, I remember that. That was pretty fun. Um, but so I guess what was your experience doing Lost Ranger? Like, did you have fun? Yeah, I loved it. You can, I mean, because um, you had a pretty cool, like, manager. I did. He was, like, he seemed like he's pretty, like, yeah, we do what we, you know? Yeah, we pretty much did what we wanted there. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of, like, some managers are, like, I... I would say two out of the three I had were pretty chill, but last one was kind of... I think what happened, one of the reasons why he ended up getting fired was because me and him were so alike, and it was like, hey, let's go do this. And instead of the other person going, hey, we can't really do that, the other person goes, fuck yeah, let's do it. Two let's fires. get in our car and drive down the road and chase this guy to his fence. You know, <laughs> fuck it. Two fires fueling each other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um... Was there any particular crazy shit that like happened that I mean you feel like you can talk about or at Freddy's? Yeah. I mean, at some point, also I do want to like I do want to do like a solely like just like a like a lost prevention podcast. Like Brandon, like I want to have him here and like even like uh, do you remember Jimmy? He was at. Yeah. Uh, I we should kinda, get uh Matt Matt here too if he wants to. Yeah. I mean, if you just watch the underside of your desk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about him because. Uh, Isaiah works at with me at work. Oh yeah, the man. Uh, he was at. Uh, sure, you know yeah, who he is. Though. Yeah, I know who you're talking. And about. so we have stories every once in a while. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. I'd be down for that. Okay, yeah. So we I could guess... do. We could do. I mean, I'd be down. Side note: I mean, this isn't really podcast stuff, but between you and me, I'd be down to do a, like a, a loss prevention one, and then what I currently do one. That kind yeah. Of thing. If Honestly, you want to kind of wrap this one up. Well, yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, we can. Um, I guess so. We do a Jake, Jake Army, uh, Jake LP, Jake. Uh, what do you, whatever you call it. Uh, Lost prevention. Deputy. You're, yeah, yeah. Lost and deputy. We can kind of go ahead and uh, like we can transition to like how that happened. But yeah, we'll we'll just kind of skirt over the fact that yeah, you were in Lost prevention for a while. But yeah, I mean, if you, I got two other mics. So if, if you know, yeah. if Ben wants to come and he can be in here, he was interested. I told him I was doing this today. And okay. So yeah, that'd be cool. If Ben wants to do it, and like I don't know, Kearns or whoever the hell sure. else, we could set up something. Uh, and all... You'll definitely not have a podcast if Kearns comes in here. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah. So you, how long did you end up doing Lost Prevention for? It was just uh, like six months. Okay. Before I quit, before they could fire me. Okay, yeah. And then you ended up going to, was it? I went and worked at a warehouse, like, nights, like, doing freight. Okay. And it was terrible. I hated it. And how long did that last? Three weeks. Okay. Because then, didn't the military help you get a job, like, working? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Shit, you know more about me than I do. Well, that, that I was like, man, that sounds pretty chill. It, it was like awesome. It was great. So I was going to school under the GI Bill. Okay. And while you're going to school, you can get a like a student work thing. I don't remember what it was called, yeah. but I was working, um, and it's, it's all like veteran specific places. So I was working at Willamette national cemetery as almost just like a receptionist. Yeah. Like I wore a shirt and tie to work kind of thing. I answered the phone and while I was there, I was allowed to work on schoolwork. Uh -huh. Um, I was allowed to, I just kind of answered phones and I helped them out, took off some of the workload for some of them. I went out with them and helped with, uh, like a uh, funeral specifics cause they do, memorials there right? so they get each family gets like 30 minutes for they come in somebody plays taps they do the um the whatever salute gun salute uh, okay like 21 gun salute or whatever it is yeah and 
Uh, on a side note, Willamette National Cemetery is amazing. It, yeah. It's gorgeous, and it's very well run, and it uh, it has, uh, it's known as the Arlington of the West, Oh, okay. Actually. I didn't know that. Is that kind of why the military helped you get put there specifically? Oh, no. I got a pick of a lot of places, and oh. I just kind of was just like, well, that one's kind of close, and it seems kind of cool. I'll go in and try that. Sounds like it was pretty relaxed, though. It sounds like. It was pretty chill. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. All right. And I got, you know, I got paid minimum wage tax-free. Oh, so, re- oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Because of, like... Uh, just because of the program it was. Oh, okay. And then, um, so uh, so you're going to school, and what were you specifically going... Were you just kind of like, I'm just going to get a degree, or... I didn't have a job. And oh, okay. I get paid... The GI Bill pays you to go to school. Yeah, okay. That makes sense, then. And uh, so then, after a while, how long did you stay there at the cemetery doing that? All that whole setup and everything? I don't remember. Just a few months yeah. for the summer, I think, maybe six months. Yeah, and then you started thinking you were going to go for law enforcement? Oh, no, during that time I was doing stuff. Oh, okay. Because I actually, I was talking to the director, I was like, hey, I got picked up, so I'm just going to work uh, for a little while longer, but then I'll be done. Yeah, and um, why did you end up going with uh, with county work rather than like city or state? Or... Well, they were first ones to pick me up. Oh really? You, did you apply to all of them to like? Uh, yeah, like- I applied it um, to county on the road. I applied to uh, a local uh, Canby on the road. I guess Canby. Just I applied to Canby County on the road, and then County in the jail. And County in the jail picked me up. Okay. Did you, did you apply to state too, or were you like eh, I don't really want to do state stuff? Oh, I did actually. Do you know that? Oh, wait. Yeah, I remember. Cause then that like kinda... I said, apparently you know, you've done your research. Or yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you remember things better than I looked you. into your Wikipedia. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I also, uh, yeah, I put in for state. Okay. But, uh, my background investigation brought up the fact that apparently I don't have enough life experience at the time. What? That's what I said. All right. I thought it was because I was drinking too much. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. So um, so then did you just get contacted by Clackmas and they're just like, hey... We uh, like what we see, or like, I mean, how is that? I mean, it's a process. There's yeah. Several testing phases, several interview phases. What's the, I mean, can you talk about all the phases, or? I mean, I don't remember most of them. Okay. <laughs> I just wasn't sure, because is there uh, basically, like, a test or anything like that? Like, there's, isn't there, like, physical test? Wasn't there a... To get hired, no. Actually, there wasn't a physical test at the jail. Oh, really? On the road, there is, Yeah. Oh, I thought you had to like run and like go up some like little stairs and stuff. No, and, like... that's probably why there's so many fat fucks at the oh, jail. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so then there's just like a mentally balanced stuff, all that. Yeah. Ask me how I passed that. How'd you pass that? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Okay. Is it pretty lengthy or is it just? Yeah. Is it? You, is it? I written? left there thinking I was a nutbag. Really? Yeah. Is it written or I mean, cause no, it's just some guy watching you as you answer weird questions. Oh, okay. Actually, I had to do that for um for working for you know a security company and everything. Yeah. It was it was funny because I was supposed to do that long before they even gave me yeah. a gun, and then months in, they're like, "Hey, you're supposed to do a mental eval," <laughs> and then I see questions like, "Have you ever thought about like killing a family?" And I was like, "What?" Like. And it was just... My question is, who answers yes to that? Like, I know, Even if right? you have. Not that I have. I know. I was just like, Who would answer yes? Like, like, that obviously, like, as a person, you gotta be like, hmm, do I want to keep my job? No. Yeah, right? Like, all right, I'll, I wasn't expecting this question. Gotta say yes. Yeah. You know, like, 
But, uh, all right, so some guy just sits there, watches you, and is like, all right, he's fine, you know, or... or I don't, yeah, I don't really did know. Did you know anyone that was, like, there, where they failed that? Like, where they are just like, yeah, nope, that dude has issues, like, I mean... I mean, yeah, but I, I, I don't know anybody specifically, but I know that people do get bounced out at the uh, eval part, the okay. mental eval part. So that, so that part goes, and then there, is there, like, a, like, a, some kind of interview from like a board I guess or something like that or yeah so you do a like a regular interview and there's a board of people there and then if you pass that you go back and you do a command staff interview which is a little more laid back like kind of oh. is this guy gonna fit in here kind of thing oh okay hey where are you from what do you do what do you like doing oh okay and they just ask you are you related to anybody on this board oh really oh okay yeah, that's because I mean... they already knew I was Oh, okay, yeah. I my, guess take... my brother-in-law was on yeah. on my command staff. So he was yeah. there, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And is that like? I mean, is that like a? No, they he checked into it beforehand. Oh, okay. So no nepotism. All right. So then you go through all those steps, and then they basically agreed. Like, all right, he seems cool. Like, yeah, like, sure, let's give him a shot. Okay. And um, so then you get hired on, and before you end up going down to, I guess, like school kind of work for down in Salem. Did you kind of just shadow, like shadow somebody? No, I was uh, working. So you have FTAP, field training exercise program, whatever it is. And you were on, like, kind of following, like, a senior sheriff deputy, right? That... It, yeah. Uh, so well, you... definitely senior to me, but people who qualify and they they become an FTAP instructors or whatever, you just get paired up with somebody and they teach you everything they know. Hmm. And you, you're with them for, like, four weeks or five weeks or something, and then you move on to another one on a different shift. Okay, and you're with that person all day long. Yep. And they kind of grade and critique and help guide you on how to become a decent deputy. Okay. You do a pretty good job. You what? Did you do a pretty good job? Did would I? you say? Yeah, I did all right. And is it the same guy for the whole entire thing? No, you have four different coaches. Oh, okay. Actually, it's supposed to be three different. So you have a phase two coach, a phase three coach, a phase four coach, and for phase five. Which is like only two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have your phase two coach, but you never do. Are these because, all guys? Because then that guy can see you when you started FTEP and when you ended FTEP. Oh, okay. So they don't make all the instructors guys that have been there for like 20 years or something no. like that? Oh, okay. Uh, could you do it now with how long you've been there? Or uh, Yeah, I'll put you for want. it, but I was one of the few people unqualified to do that, I guess. Oh, okay. All right. So, so after you did that for a couple months, right? Before you went down to Salem? Or you were there. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was a few months. Okay, so then you go down to Salem and you were there for like what eight weeks or something or. Well, I guess six. you didn't you... six weeks. It was only six weeks, and you didn't have to. This. Yeah, you were driving back on the weekend, right? Yeah. Okay, and um, what what was I mean? I knew that compared to after you've been through like everything with like the infantry, it was dumb. <laughs> it was so dumb. It was just like walking. They're the like park. they want to be paramilitary, but they can't hold you to the standards of the military like okay. you're just not allowed to oh so if people want to take it seriously they can but if they don't they can also do that yeah so you get jack wagons who come in and don't give a shit and then you get jack wagons who come in and give all the shits oh okay and what was i mean i guess it's not, it just seems like that was probably like a just going through the st- i'm sure that for some people going through it who haven't been in the military there's probably like it was a little stressful, but I'm guessing for you, you just kind of, yeah, whatever. Was, yeah, it was fine. Did you, like, what was a regular day there, I guess? 
wake up, go uh, do some work. Sometimes uh, for a week you do firearms. For another week you do like uh, scenarios kind of thing. And oh, okay. Another week you do defensive tactics, like hand to hand stuff. And was uh, this a classroom? A lot of. Uh, ORS or Oregon by statutes, a lot of laws, a lot of things you can and can't do, a lot of things you shouldn't do. And... So a lot of it is like schoolwork stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. Take a lot of tests. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I remember me and Maggie uh, and your dad was there. We all went down and, yeah, we saw you graduate. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't realize, is that, was that like a pretty normal size class of people? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a lot of you guys, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. I mean, did they do basically anyone there that's like for becoming a state, or is it all county? Like anyone that's going to become a county sheriff deputy, they all have to go there, or is corrections like, deputy? Oh, okay. So city. So and... that first, there's a 16 week course for patrol deputies, or oh. for patrol in general, uh, for county and and city, yeah. and then the state police have their own academy. Oh, okay. All right. And that one's very militaristic. They hold them to that standard. So that one's pretty like pretty serious. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess sure. Well, yeah. So so you get done with that, and then you come back, and is it is there another training process to like work you into like all right, cool, or is it you come back and you're like, hey, I'm, is it like you're just like, I'm a full fledged uh, sheriff deputy, you know? Like I mean. Yeah. Well, for some people, um, they'll finish FTEP and then go to the academy, depending on how many slots. Like they can't get in can't get down south down to salem soon yeah. enough so they're done with the academy and then they go or they're done with ftep then they go to the academy i went in the middle so oh. i had to come i can't when i came back i just finished ftep and then i was i was good to go at that point hmm. all right and um and what's like a regular day like now being like sheriff deputy i mean i don't know everybody every day is different we work 12 hour shifts so i get there about six uh, each post is different. Yeah. Uh, you do different things at each one. You have a series of things that you need to do every day. Yeah. It's just a routine. All right. Yeah, we don't have to, like, get into the stories and stuff because that, that could be a lot more fun if we do it with, like, Ben or something, you think? Yep. All right. Cool. Um, so, aside from that, um, do you have any kind of, like, what are you thinking for your future? You thinking you'll probably just stay there until, uh, or are you... Because I know you said it'd be kind of cool to become maybe like a teacher or something one day or... Maybe a long time ago. Okay. Nowadays, as a teacher, you deal with the same people I deal with at work, but you're not allowed to do anything about it. You can't, yeah. (laughs) All right. So when they're being dickheads, you're just like, oh, well, it sucks to be your parents, I guess. Yeah. So you think (laughs) you'll probably stick with... uh... Yeah, I'll do that for a while and, you know... Maybe if they decide I'm not a good fit for them at some point in the future. Does that happen to anyone? Where they're just like, yeah, I don't feel like you're... Oh, no. That's more of a, what's the term, euphemism for uh, getting fired. Okay. (laughs) It's a kind of gentler, more, uh, I can't really think of a good term for it. Um, So it's just a kind of gentler kind of society we live in. Yeah. And it bleeds into, in certain aspects, into law enforcement in general, as we've seen. Okay. But... uh, and so it becomes harder to do your job effectively and hold people accountable for the things that they do while they're incarcerated. Yeah. For whatever. And, uh, you know, eventually it's just going to, the policies are going to outweigh, it's just going to become unsafe at some point, I feel like. But, I mean, that's a whole other thing entirely. But I don't see myself being able to retire there. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. You you don't think you'll 
You don't think that's like the retired plan anymore, huh? I would like to. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Things are, I don't know, kind of getting weird, I feel like, as yep. far as, yeah, what is becoming the social norms and the social, sure. I don't yep. know. But I mean, did you know that uh, the vagina, that some doctors call it a front hole? What? What? Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. There's <laughs> a whole other thing. Because vagina is too feministic or yeah. feminism or whatever. Yeah. It's called the front hole. Jeez. Wait, where? how did you learn about this? Uh, it's it's a big thing at work right now. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but no, it was, I don't know, on the internet, so it must be true, right? Yeah, I figure. I mean, everything you hear on the internet is true. It's always factual, yeah. All right, well, cool, man. Um, so I guess, yeah, outside of work, though, you do a lot of paintballing and everything. And I do. Would you say that that's kind of part of a way to get out some, like, some stresses that you might carry from, like, the military? Yeah, uh, I consider it uh, part of uh, my personal therapy because I have because I gave so much of who I am to the army. I it kind of uh, I don't know how really to explain it. It created there's a just a different side of me where I really I it get a, aggressive and I want to uh, I want to go out and I will hunt. I want to hunt. So. Yeah. Uh, that's the story I told of the guy that you know I'm low crawling through and I'm looking for this dude. I'm I'm hunting him. Yeah. And I I don't know. It's a fairly uh, whatever term uh, yeah. that everybody says, but you know it after you know human's the most dangerous game. After hunting a human, everything else seems kind of like eh. Yeah. And so when I paintball, I'm allowed to creep around. I'm allowed to hunt people without you know, killing them without killing them <laughs> all right um and so when i when i can get that out it, i just i feel great yeah um but even even on days where i'm not playing that well you know it's fun to go out and um, play war games with people and it's a great group of people that i play with i mean it's a pretty tight-knit community everybody knows everybody kind of thing mm-hmm. um and i mean because you do that just about weekly right uh, at least once a month but uh yeah uh weekly bi-weekly in the summer would you ever like kind of hope to maybe i don't know incorporate like that into some kind of other way of like making making money or anything like that no. maybe manage like I that I love it so much I wouldn't want it to be a job. Oh okay. That makes sense. Is there any other like hobbies you you kind of play really... the video games? Yeah. <laughs> Battlefield 5 is pretty tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, didn't the beta just come out for it? Yeah, I've been playing it for a few days. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, video games, hang out with my wife, I have a dog, a couple cats, uh, paintball. I mean, that's my life in a nutshell. I'm not super exciting in yeah. general. Um, and then, uh, I guess, like, do you think you'll, do you think there's a chance you might have kids someday? Or No. Yeah. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're talking about a lot. Maggie just started working, so it's yeah. uh, trying to figure that out. And, it, um, I mean, at this point, I'm just going to. I'm ready whenever, and yeah. whenever she's ready, then we'll probably start trying. If you had to, like, kind of, like, deliver, I mean, just, because what I like to think with this, um, with this podcast is it's kind of like a check mark in your life. It's kind of just like a checking in. If you were to, like, you know, because possibly someday if you did have a kid, they might be able to listen back to this and hear, like, you know, where dad was at back in 2018 sure. That'd be cool. you know like what would you what would you want to say to them or whoever might be looking back and like what was what was jake thinking like where was he mentally at back in 2018 all right well um first off if i have a boy 
Uh, his name's going to be Brock. And if I haven't told you yet, Brock, you should ask me how we came about uh, naming you that. Because it's a great story. Um, it's a little soupy, uh, sappy. Oh, okay. Well, hey, man. But I we'll mean, go. We'll, we'll just leave that one at that. But other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, just anyone that's like checking in. Like, I mean, are you feeling like are you feeling pretty good about where things are at? I mean, you just bought a house and everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, life's good. We got a good career. I guess yeah. our career. I mean, it was good. I like coming on here and talking about stuff. I mean, yeah. was, I mean, I mean, I've told a few people stories or whatever. But I mean, the podcast. Are, we. I mean, I mean, essentially, maybe. Yeah. Uh, just random people that are listening in, they can listen to my story and. Everything. Oh, huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of the whole goal. Hopefully, is like. I like it. I mean, you get all kinds of different people, and you just do like a hey, what's up with you kind of thing. Yeah. I like well, it. I mean, there's like so many people out there that like. I mean, because people who meet you initially, they, you know, like you said. Oh, me specifically. Why anyone? Just oh, okay. anyone that's you know comes across another human being. Yeah. Like you said, you know, like. Pre egg on burger Jake and post egg on burger Jake, <laughs> yeah, different yeah. human beings. Absolutely. And it's I don't know. So it just seems like you know there's a lot of people who like you know who could meet you know Jake and think like that's a cool guy. I wonder how he became him. I want to aspire to be like that. Maybe I should go into the military or something. You know. I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, just right there, I wouldn't highly rate anybody who's thinking about it. I mean, it changed my life um, 100% for the better. I have a lot of issues. Um, I mean, deployment was not easy. I did not have an easy deployment, but I joined the infantry. I became a man. I did my job, and I did it very proudly and very well. Yeah. And I would never go back and change that. I would yeah. do it again in a heartbeat. So anyone out there, I mean, like, what kind of person is it that you feel like could it could really make a good impact for? Somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, they, uh, you get out of high school, and you're like, yeah, what do I want to do? I mean, school sucks. I hate school. No yeah. offense. No, it's uh, fine, dude. I, I saw you. I remember sitting in the back room of class, and I looked out the hallway, and I saw you pacing, and you looking furious. Oh, I dipped out. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was so mad that day. People are so stupid in college. Yeah. In any case, you want some life experience. You want to do something with your life. Um, you want to become a better man or a better woman. You want to become something more. I mean, this is an army commercial in a nutshell right now, but I mean, it's, it's truly true. I mean, you can do, uh, I, I'm very, not a huge advocate for pogues, but I mean, you do anything person other than grunt, you do anything in the army, in the military. I mean, it's going to change you one way or another, whether that change is huge or whether that change is small is completely up to the person. My change was huge. I went in. I knew I wasn't doing anything with my life. I wanted to become something part of become something become part of something bigger. Yeah. And I wanted to do my part and uh you know, I mean, I've got a 911 shirt on right now and we're coming up on that day and that day, yeah. I mean, that day changed my life, it changed a lot of people's lives. But we're getting to a point now where next year when you're 18 uh in 2019 you're not even going to have been around when the towers fell. Yeah. But we're still at war. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, just, um, but I mean, I knew I wanted to be, do something different. I knew I wanted to potentially stave off another attack like that kind of thing. Just do my little part. You know, I'm not SF, I'm not CIA running around shooting bin Laden in the face. Yeah. But I went to Afghanistan and I did asset denial. They didn't, they did not control the area that I was in. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a safe haven there. Yeah. So, I mean, 
you join the army you don't you don't know what you're doing you're 18 you're 19 you're working at i don't know a warehouse you're working at safeway who knows you want to do something just a little bit more join the army enlist for three years yeah you know that's not a long time do and do the enlistment thing go active duty the national guard the reserves are great for what they are but you want the true experience you want a true changing of your being uh active duty you know any military branch is the way to go because you can live you can breathe it you can you gain discipline you gain uh uh control you um you learn respect you know selfless service yeah i mean i can just go through the army whatever values you know it's a uh, loyalty, duty, respect, self-service, honesty, integrity, and personal courage. You know, yeah. you gain all of that as long as you allow yourself to be in. You're in a in in the place where you're like, I don't know what I want to do. Let's get a base going. That's a good base. You'd suggest it to anyone, anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, I I feel like I've met a lot of people who um I knew them you know well before they went into the military, and then I'm I you know saw them again after they got out or, you know, even after they've been partway through their contract and it's like, wow, you've become, you've like grown up, you know, it's crazy. But yeah, I would, I definitely, I mean, I've never ruled it out. And I mean, I was thinking me and Elisa last night, we watched, um, just on YouTube, 102 minutes to change America. And, um, it's pretty infuriating to like watch and watch those planes fly into the, the towers and, uh, just watch what America had to deal with, and I mean, I can. I was a kid. I was in second grade at the time, but I remember. It I was, was only in sixth grade. Yeah, I mean, it was scary. I knew that something was serious was happening, but I couldn't imagine if I was eighteen or nineteen years old. It'd be really easy to feel like I need to go be a part of fighting this off and preventing something yeah. like this happening again. And uh, if something like that was to happen again. I wouldn't, I'd consider going I'd to the military for sure. I'd probably get back in in a heartbeat. You know, but uh, just because we aren't in the midst of a heavy war doesn't mean that there's not things that Which we be, are. Still, yeah. let's not forget that. Yeah. Not. But even if we weren't, I mean, there's, sure. there's things to be gained for that person. Yeah, just from, so I see what you're saying. So even yeah. in peacetime, like my uncle was in the army in peacetime. He still gained everything he needed um, from the army, that base, um that uh, becoming a man kind of thing. Yeah. And he was in the Army. He was active duty. Unfortunately, he was an MP. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Nobody likes them. Um, but, you know, he got out, and now he's one of the most successful, and uh, I look up to him a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, it all started with him joining the Army. And would you would you say, then, that the Army was the biggest change, like it changed you for who you were going to become? No. like. No, bur- uh, egg on burger. That was the biggest thing. That was the no. biggest thing. No, uh, yeah, probably the army. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. Um, I mean, we can go ahead and wrap this up and just. I have to pee really bad. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but uh, all right, man. Well, um, I really appreciate you sharing your story, and you know, we're uh, hope hope to sit down and we can go over some more stories, yeah. lost wrench and stuff. But thanks, man. Yeah. Right, that's it for the week. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Tell your friends and family about the show and that it can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. You can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Particular Podcast. There you'll see when I upload episodes and what they'll be about. Feel free to share thoughts and ideas with me at noparticularpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thank you for listening and check back next week for another episode of the show. 